from the maelstrom of a sundered world, the eight realms were born. The formless and the divine exploded into life. Strange new worlds appeared in the firmament, each one gilded with spirits, gods, and men. Noblest of the gods was Sigmar. For years beyond reckoning, he illuminated the realms, wreathed in light and majesty as he carved out his reign. His strength was the power of thunder, his wisdom was infinite. Mortal and immortal alike kneeled before his lofty throne. Great empires rose and, for a while, treachery was banished. Sigmar claimed the land and sky as his own and ruled over a glorious age of myth. But cruelty is tenacious. As had been foreseen, the great alliance of gods and men tore itself apart. Myth and legend crumbled into chaos. Darkness flooded the realms. Torture, slavery, and fear replaced the glory that came before. Sigmar turned his back on the mortal kingdoms, disgusted by their fate. He fixed his gaze instead on the remains of the world he had lost long ago, brooding over its charred core, searching endlessly for a sign of hope. And then, in the dark heat of his rage, he caught a glimpse of something magnificent. He pictured a weapon born of the heavens, a beacon powerful enough to pierce the endless night, an army hewn from everything he had lost. Sigmar set his artisans to work, and for long ages they toiled, striving to harness the power of the stars. As Sigmar's great work neared completion, he turned back to the realms and saw that the dominion of chaos was almost complete. The hour of vengeance had come. Finally, with lightning blazing across his brow, he stepped forth to unleash his creation. The age of Sigmar had begun. Welcome to the Garage Tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing my best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various other fandoms. So, bringing you tonight's dose of Gortide, Sigmar, and Stormcast Eternals, I'm David Whitek, and with me tonight as guest host is my friend Christian Bayer. Christian, welcome. Hi-de-ho. So, how's it going? It's it's going well. Um, I'm I'm enjoying Age of Sigmar. I I still you know like you guys have said, I, I have my bipolar days going back and forth of you know missing the old world, but <laughs> you know I I still have all my models, so it's not that bad. No, not at all. I've been uh, I've been I've been playing a bit more and more, um, trying uh, more variations on house rules out, and uh, I'm I'm kind of having a blast i'm i'm having less and less bipolar days that's great my uh in fact my my biggest sadness is just that my 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 uh my group to to play this game with is just so much smaller right now uh as people are finding other things that they that they want to try yeah but that's that's pretty much the only thing i'm i'm having a good time so and honestly that's what the hell i'm doing this for you know what i'm saying for sure, it's it's my That's hobby. What it's about. It, yeah, it's how you spend your extra time in cash, and if you can't enjoy it, <laughs> find a new hobby. So I'm enjoying sure. this one. Yeah, I, I, we're having the same thing at my gaming club. You know, we were like thirty some odd people, and then towards the end of eight, people just started kind of fading away, and and you know, not everybody was into the end times either. That kind of you know took a big chunk out of our momentum. Um, it, it it was a shocking change that happened very rapidly. Um, 
But then again, the end times is a shocking change that happened very rapidly in the story, too. So, uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, now the same thing, you know, my, my group is is very splintered. We're, we're trying lots of different games. Um, nothing's really stuck. It's, it's kind of the way it is out here on the West Coast. Uh, you know, I've been following on Twitter and everything what, you know, the rest of the country's doing, you know, some marching towards Malifaux, some, some to Infinity, others to Kings of War. Um, out some to all West three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a schizophrenic gamer. So, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I, I play uh, too many games to even name. Uh you know, lots of Mantic stuff and Dreadball and Dead Zone and and Dark Age and oh yeah, uh, you know Firestorm Armada and and you know, all of Spartan games and right. so and and you know Malifaux and Kings of War and and so you know Age of Sigmar, <laughs> yeah. one more game exactly exactly. It's one of the weird things says that we've it's sort of. Suddenly, it's there's like this glut of games being played. So all the things we've all been sort of dabbling in on the side suddenly are getting a little more uh, airtime just because of just because of that. Uh, you know, everyone else is everyone else is willing to give something a shot now. Yeah, it's it's one of the nice things actually that sort of come from it is if you had a, if you had a if you had a special game that you loved as a side game, you're more likely to be able to at least get. Get some games in and get some people trying it and see if it can uh, take a little more traction. So that's very true. Yeah. So yeah, that, way, that way, that one crew and that 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 one crew that you've been playing with and messing around with in the background and wasting your money on at least is suddenly getting its uh getting its time to shine. Exactly. Yeah, we've been kind of switching it up, trying. You know, uh, oh, Wrath of Kings. You know that you and I were checking out at Adepticon. That you know that's another one we've been that's playing. That's a fun so game. We, I don't. I don't quite get it. I've only gotten demos. I do love the models, though. I really do. Yeah, me too. We, <laughs> the models are are really unique. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's some there's there's so much fun stuff out there, and uh, especially now that you know when you can get a lot of these games for a couple of boxes, you know. So you can get 20 models. You can get a whole crew and be like, okay, look, I got 20 models. I can paint those up in a couple of weeks, and, and I can I can play. And then, uh, you know, you can always start. Well, now I'm painting up for this thing. You know, you, you could be a total rallying and, and paint up for, you know, six systems in six weeks type of thing. With Andrea behind you being like, hurry up. I got to get the bases done. Exactly. Not that she sounds like my grandmother, but, you know. Ah, oh, jeez. Well, listen. We should probably, uh, before we go any further and run all over the place, uh, we should take a minute to thank our sponsors. Would you mind helping me out with that, Chris? I'd be happy to. As also always, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsors of Garage Hammer, Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake, Illinois. Mercia Miniatures, and that's spelled M I E R C E hyphen Miniatures. Mantic Games. Building bigger armies for your rank and flank fix. The TC Ward Room in Traverse, uh, Traverse City, Michigan. You ain't wrong. And Battle Foam, protecting your army. There we go. There we go. Those are the sponsors. Um, now, you know, we're going to be doing a couple of book reviews today. So, um, 
we're going to be skipping most of the normal, you know, uh, uh, segments. Um, shout outs and emails. Uh, I got a couple of nice voicemails, a couple of nice emails. Um, the one thing I do want to point out, thanks to all the people who are writing in with some, uh, you know, constructive criticism, you know, things they want to hear on the show. Um, a lot of people uh, have been very positive about the Patreon thing. Um, I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to try that. Um, and I hope that doesn't bother anybody. Um, you know, like I said, I don't expect anybody. Well, I mean, a few people wrote in and said they would, they would totally do that. So I expect that a few people will do it. But, I mean, yeah, dude, if you don't want to or you can't, I don't want anyone to feel obligated. And I've, I've gotten a few emails about, you know, I don't want to, you know, I, you know, for years you've, it's been free. Now I'm paying for content. I'm not doing anything where you're going to be paying for content. You know, I'm no. not going to be doing bonus extra shows or anything like that just for people who give cash to the show. If you feel like you want to donate to the show, that's cool. But this show has always been and will always be free. That was a promise made by Christopher and I back in like episode three. And as much as we begged for people to, you know, sponsor the show and, and send us a little money to help us get the show rolling when we started, uh, the show's free, dude. Um, yeah. You know, I, it, I'm. And I don't think you're, you know, I mean, what you're doing here, you're not asking for people to pay for your content. What you're doing is you're saying, if you want to help me out, because it, it takes all, the equipment that you're using, it, it does wear out, better equipment comes out, you can do better quality. If people are willing and able to help you out a little bit, then you, this is a way they can do it. Yeah. I mean, literally, you can do as little as 50 cents per episode and you can put a limit like per month. So, to, so you could say, I'll do fifty cents an episode, a dollar a month. So, if suddenly I put out bonus content, um, you're not paying extra. In fact, I encourage people to put a limit, in, you know, and stuff like that. Because, hell, I don't know if the After Olinor it's a different feed, but it's the same website. So, I don't know if that would even count. So, I encourage people to do that. Mm. Um, but I digress. Honestly, you know, it's like something that I'm just I'm going to be putting out there, and. Um, it's cool. And also, thanks to the people. Got a couple of techies who have uh, emailed me and been like, dude, what equipment are you looking to replace or upgrade? Because, you know, we do that stuff for a living. We might be able to help you out and get you something, you know. So it's like, ah, oh, cool. Excellent. Oh, so Fantastic user base. Exactly. Thanks to everyone who's been helpful. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, uh uh, I, I was. I thought about addressing some of the other emails. There are people who are not happy that the show has decided to stay with Age of Sigmar. There are, and uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I was really sort of uh, mulling it over, and it was really sort of getting to me. And I was thinking about really addressing that whole issue. I think for now, I'm just gonna let it drop. Uh, I'm just going to say this. You know, if you really think that. You know, somehow I've, you know, sold my soul to Games Workshop or I've driven Chris Yu away by staying with Age of Sigmar or something like that. And you've decided that I've done something really horrible. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, and you don't I, I get it. You don't have to email me and tell me. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. Because good. You don't have to golly. be mean. Good golly. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, let's just leave it at that because I don't want to, I don't want the show to go off the rails onto that thing. I'm just leaving it there. So, all right. 
that's about it. Um, however, if somebody did want to call and leave a voicemail, and we do normally try to play them, one seven five seven G H show six. That's one seven five seven G H show six. International callers in most countries, it's zero zero one seven five seven G H show six. And on that note, um, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, uh, Christian, we're going to be covering the first big book from uh, Warhammer, just the Warhammer Age of Sigmar book, as well as the uh, Black Library, the first of the three so far Black Library releases, The Gates of Azir. And um, I think we're going to put The Gate of Azir book just sort of where it falls in the course of doing the big book. So we'll probably get about three quarters of the way through the big book break for the story of the gates of azir and then come back and finish the big book how's that sound sounds fantastic all right we will the age of sigmar begins excellent and we will be back Sigmar discovered Gorkamorka in the realm of beasts. The twin-headed god of the Greenskins was trapped within Drakatoa, the living avalanche that ruled Giria. Suspended in the primordial muck of that amber-masked monster, Gorkamorka could bring neither his mountain-shattering might nor his base cunning into play. Although he suspected his actions might cause further trouble, Sigmar urged Drakothian into a downward plummet. Streaking from the skies like a falling comet, Sigmar bellowed his war cry. Between the great Drake's cosmic lightnings and thunderblows from Galmaraz, Drakatoa was driven back. Gorkamorka was pleased to be freed, yet he was also infuriated. Never before had he been so trapped. Never before had he required aid. As a creature of violent emotions, his natural reaction was to attack, and attack he did. Hefting up his war club, the twin-headed green-skinned deity swung a blow that knocked Drakothian senseless. Moved to ire by this senseless assault, Sigmar arose from his downsteed and began what turned into a twelve-day battle. The tumult of the two gods' trading blows shook the eight realms. When Sigmar flung down his foe, it cast up the mountains of Maraz, while the scattered gouge canyons were made from errant strikes from Gorka Morka's colossal club. Myriad predatory beasts came forth, drawn by the scent of blood, but such was the spectacle that Sunworm and Shagoth stood side by side, the most hostile creatures agog at the fury and sheer destructive force unleashed before them. Even the gods grew weary. At last, leaning upon weapons and panting, both gods eyed each other across the ruined surroundings. Seeing the wreckage they had wrought upon the landscape, and the onlooking audience of ferocious monsters that their battle had drawn, each began to grin and then laugh. The harsh guffaws of the green-skinned god mixing with the booming roars of Sigmar. Seeing that this strong-armed god had matched his own battle lust, Gorkamorka clasped the man-god's hand and agreed to fight alongside Sigmar rather than against him. We are back. Back 
back, 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 and back, back, back. Oh, now I guess first of all, uh, I should thank Games Workshop. I had picked up the Age of Sigmar book, not knowing that they were gonna send one of these fancy pants limited edition copies over to me. Yeah, that's a really amazing that they've taken that step. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know. Um, I wasn't expecting it. I mean, well, I got an email saying, "Hey, you know, give us your email, address, give us your address," and I was like, "Okay." Uh, and then they sent us those box sets, and I thought that was pretty much it. And then this thing showed up, and I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" This book is gorgeous, by the way. Oh, I, I I don't have the collector's edition. I just have the regular edition, but the collector's edition looks yeah, it looks beautiful. One one of my club mates got it. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. The gold edging, the you know the 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 artwork. Now, I, I will say this. Um, as I was going through and taking the notes on it, this book is about 270 pages, I think. Yeah. 200 and, uh, no, 264. Uh, yeah, 264 pages, mm. uh, about the length of Nagash, I think, but read it in a fraction of the time. A um, lot of artwork in these here books. Yeah, a lot of artwork. Not complaining per se, because the artwork's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, I think personally, if I had one, one, if I did have a, a a criticism of this, it's that we've got this whole new. We have nine new or eight new worlds in the realm of chaos, and I'm just so. Uh, I, I, I'm like a dry sponge here, waiting to soak up this new universe. Exactly. And I would really love a Nagash or a Glotkin style book that is text heavy, you know, with those three columns of dense text that it takes you hours and hours and hours to read. Exactly. And, I mean, I know they don't want to spoil the story, but give me the basics of every realm. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, we have so many players that are, you know, like I have an empire army. I don't know what to do with them. Right, exactly. In fact, that's the one army that I keep going back to is, wow, they don't get a mention, like, at all. Yeah. Like, I don't know where the realm of men, per se, is. Now, I will say this. You know, I haven't had a chance to read a lot of this yet because I've been doing a lot of After Olinor stuff, and I'm back to work, and I'm teaching a lot of lit classes. So we're doing a (laughs) lot of reading and a lot of paper grading. A lot of early year testing. So I finally only sat down to read this book like a week and a half ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'd heard the different podcasts talking about it. And I flipped through it. So I knew it was kind of light on text. Dude, there is a lot more here than I was led to believe. I will say that much. There's, you know, even with my last, you know, critique saying I wish there was more there's more here than I expected there's still not all nine realms but there is a lot more here than I sort of was led to believe than I than I had re- than I had heard about yeah it didn't seem like anybody really went into any breadth of detail on what's actually in this book they kind of just hit the highlights that you read off the GW website uh, maybe they were just waiting for me to do it uh, that could be. <laughs> that could be. You are well known for going into detail on these books. Uh, it's my OCD. I can't help it. I got to hit every uh, everything. It's the, it's that English teacher in me. But I and I do love doing this. I got to say. But reading this, I was pleasantly surprised that there was more here 
than I was expecting. And some, there's, there's some really cool stuff. I'm excited to get into this. If you Now, if you haven't read the big book, because you don't have to get this big book. No, not at all. Now, there's a lot of scenarios in here. Eight total. Eight. Well, I mean, it's still a decent amount. I mean, uh, granted, if you're just picking it up, if you don't care about the fluff, then you wind up basically paying 10 bucks a scenario. That's true. Um, there is that. And and that did occur to me when I first got it. I was I flipped through and I, you know, the rumor was that we were going to have hundreds of scenarios coming out for Age of Sigmar so that we'd never need to play the same scenario twice, right? I read the same thing and eventually I think that's going to happen. I mean, there's scenarios that are popping up all over in the other books and stuff like that, so Very true. But yeah, I mean, at 10 at a time that's that's a, that's going to be a lot of books before we get all our scenarios. Exactly. And I, and I also there was the rumor at the time too that this first book was going to have tournament rules and army building rules. Well, so turns out people when were I first bought it, I exactly what I started looking for, and they're not in there. Nope, people were definitely wish listing that. That was not. They, and you know, whatever for that, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna deal with that. You know what I'm saying? I just. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's GW like the interview you had at Gen Con. You know, that's that's tournaments have never been GW's focus, right? Right. So it was wish listing by yeah. people, obviously. Yeah, it basically, you know, GW has and, basically said, yeah. feel free to make your own tournament rules. Yes. You know, <laughs> so yep. you know, and so you you can do it or you can say, I don't want to, but that's that's what that is. But I did pick this up and it's interesting because it, it's, it's kind of odd how much overlap all the different things have. If you just bought the box set and you got the Age of Sigmar little 96 page book, mm-hmm. there's little bits and pieces of here lifted and put into there. Yeah, and I think these books, you know, they really help flesh out the world, build our imagination for the games we're playing, right? Right. Yeah, and that's really what it seems like they're trying to do, and they're really building, you know, with a couple of these new armies. So they're spending a lot of time with the new armies and their realms because they're brand new armies. Exactly. You know, if you're playing with the legacy armies, you at least have some some sort of idea of what their background was at least before this. So here, I got to tell you, as I'm, as I'm reading through this and I'm getting to the stuff with all the Nurgle and the Sylvan host and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, man, why did I sell all my Wood Elf stuff? This is so cool. Like, <laughs> I, it gets me all excited for all of these different things because the, the battles are really sort of cool and the way that they're getting them set up and, and stuff is really, you know, the different scenarios and the, and the stories behind each one are, are, are fun. They are. And, you know, when the Wood Elf book came out, was that now three, two and a half years ago? Yeah. Um, they had the box set for all the woodland uh, dryads and treemen. Right. And so I pre-ordered that because I was so excited that, that, you know, the dryads are finally going to be playable in 8th edition, you know, because right. they, they weren't that good. And then they were even worse. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're not. And now they're not. Yeah. So now, I, but I've now they're that, all on their I, own I, too. You're you're playing pure wood, you know, wood, wood spirit, forest spirits. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and because the the elves were, were always, you know, I mean, they're great, but I just I thought that all the dryad spirits were so cool. Yeah. Now there's a reason to build that army. Exactly. 
Exactly, and it's got its own bit of fun. And it'll be nice to see when they start to focus and flesh that out a little bit, and it's a little bit more than Dryads, Branch Wraiths, Treekin, and Treemen. When they start to flesh that out, you start to get some new, some new, new life in there, new things in there. I think it's going to get really interesting. Yes. We have lots to look forward to. Yeah. Once you get past that one-page opening the, that I read... Which is the new? I normally don't read the, you know this. You know this is the age of war. This is the age of this. You know the, the stuff that's in the beginning of every Warhammer book. But I figured it's the first book. Might as well give it its due. But uh, this is all talking about the, uh, you know, the age of chaos and some really gorgeous artwork. But basically, the age of chaos, you know, hundreds of years that chaos has been running roughshod over seven of the eight r- magical realms. Um, and they are, there's actually a part here that says if Sigmar had gone a day later, it would have been too late. It's one of those where they were, they were putting the final nails in the coffin of the magic realms. Um, they were so close to final success. Yeah. In fact, you, you real, when we get to that gates of Azir, you start to realize what, I mean, they're, they're basically picking off the last few bits of people ru- that are just basically running for their lives every day trying not to get caught and, and in fact you've got you've got chaos in in so many places that are basically just attacking each other because there's nothing left to to subjugate at this point yeah just scraps yeah just you know just just the last few threads of life left in the world really yeah and so then it takes us over to Heldon Hall the great hall of heroes now, this is right here in the beginning. There's a really interesting description of Stormcast and how they're sort of brought up. Now, if anyone hasn't read this or hasn't been listening, basically Sigmar is picking and choosing warriors who he feels fit a certain criterion from the eight realms. If you show true valor or true bravery or whatever it is, he will literally just shoot a big bolt of lightning down and you'll get hit, struck by lightning and you'll be gone. The area around there is blackened, and you're gone, and you're taken up to his his realm, and you're taken up to Heldenhall, and here it describes, in this place you can find the Endless Feast, and for three days and three nights, each warrior must build up strength for the long trials ahead. In the chamber of the broken world, barbarians and technocratic nomads alike are blasted apart. What's a technocratic nomad? I was wondering that one myself. That's one of my questions. I, I, what? Like, like that? That sounds, that sounds forty k to me. You know, like that's like uh, the only thing I could think of is is some of the agents of maybe, uh, uh, you know, Grunge-ny. It Right, right. You know, you know, because they have this, or the 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 Duarden have this technology. But so you're blasted apart by lightning, forged anew, an agonizing process that can last anywhere between a few heartbeats to long centuries, depending on the person's you know spirit. Uh, every time turn, even time turns molten in the forge eternal and not all survive. Seven times seven are the cairns of tempering where body and soul are blended with the gift of gods. Those that endure awaken for a final test and upon the anvil of apotheosis are stormcast finally wrought. If they endure the shockwaves from the last blessing of the world hammer, they awaken imbued with the energies of the heavens, bequeathed to the portion of the God King Sigmar's own divine powers. So there's 50 tests, seven times seven purifications 
uh, and pre- preparations. And then the 50th one, where apparently they hit you with a hammer. Apparently so. You know, the last, if you can endure the shockwave of the last blessing of the world, Hammer, then you're ready. Um, a lot of this stuff, and I, I like this style of writing. It reads like a religious text. It does. You I know, was thinking the same thing when I read it. Um, but Which leads me to questions. You know, are there literally seven by, seven times seven tests? You know, because that stuff... You don't know if this is symbolic or literal. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. We never know, do we? Right. Um, in fact, you know, a lot of people make fun of this whole idea of this dragon that's going to come up at some point when they talk about that. But I've, I've even got questions about that. Is that a literal dragon? You know, I mean, when you talk about he's hanging a star in the sky, well, okay. You know, that's that's a great bit of, of analogy and, and a beautiful... Uh, a bit of poetry, but we don't hang stars in the sky. I mean, you know, we, we know enough about the galaxy to know that's not how things work. So what what exactly are you? Are you being symbolic? Are you just, is, is the whole story an analogy for something? Um, I was just reading Mechanicum for After Olinor, mm-hmm. so I see the dragon show up, and I'm like, oh, is that a Satan? Like, you know... Right. You know, so I, you know, I've I've got all sorts of stuff when that comes up because there is a lot of neat things that are happening there, that, you know, sort of you can draw these parallels. Um, but let's see, you know, the well, one thing that I I kind of felt a little uh, bothered by was that so Sigmar you know, took these these people and raised them above. But he left everybody else behind to suffer at the hands of chaos. Well, he—I mean—he couldn't take everybody. Of course, part of that is the amount of the amount of energy. And if you're reading it here, the amount of energy and power it takes for Sigmar to call down the lightning and use it as a method of transportation. And you gain that more later in the book, right? You get that later. At first, it seems like, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good. Why don't you just take everybody? Well, exactly. That, you know. That like, and the fact that these, chaos would start coming after him a lot quicker. Here he's got a, you know, he's he's being he's being a bit clever about it because if they realize what he's doing, they're going to move to stop him. That actually comes up later where he gets Techless and Tyrion and Malarian to sort of, you know, weave a fog to keep Zinch, who can always find out what's going on because he can see present and future, to sort of block his vision so that he can get this one job done. And, uh, and and get it out there, and you know, without without being stopped ahead of time. Basically, when Sigmar launches this attack, um, he, he's I guess he he feels that he needs to do it and all the realms at once, because chaos has got pretty much free reign. And as soon as they find out he's doing it in one place, and he, they find out what he's doing, they will fortify the other worlds to not allow him to do it again. Exactly. So he's got to do. He's got to launch. Seven attacks at once, basically, or seven attacks in in seven realms at once. But the right in between that is the uh, the counter to counter the darkness uh, section where they talk about the different warrior chambers of the different Stormcast Eternals. Uh, This I really devoured. Yes, now it looks like. It does look like a force org chart from 40k, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, 
And, and which, then which is when they have the fun. war hosts of the heavens and the different painting schemes, yes. it seems like the different chapters. Yeah, and and I don't and I I, got, I don't have beef with that. No, uh, I mean, it's not. And, I, I think not, it's really fitting. Well, and you know what? It 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 works. You know, uh, here's here's my whole thing on on this as I'm looking and I'm seeing these similarities. You've got a system that they make that sells like hotcakes. They know how to market it. They know how to sell it, right? Yes, exactly. Take what you're doing right over there and do it here. (laughs) Exactly. So, And and it does, and it lays it out. And if you want to build, because that's one of the things is as he sends them to these different worlds, there are different groups in fact if you look in in the books they showed you the different uh even in the in that first that age of sigmar book that came with the with the box set they showed you mm-hmm. the different types you know like there's the all gold ones but then there's the ones that are like all all the black and then the ones that are blue with gold trim because there's there's different sort of groups of 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 stormcast eternals and they've taken sort of their own color scheme and stuff like that so just once you see this breakdown you can literally make your own you know, not Legion, but whatever it is that these guys call themselves. They're, you know, they're this your warrior cha- chamber. Yeah, your own warrior chamber. Um, and pick your color scheme and, and go with it. So yeah, I really do like the breakdown here too. Like you were saying, uh, it's it's really it makes for it makes for a interesting breakdown and kind of what you can pick up and things like that if you want to start creating your own warrior chamber and make your own you know story. And another interesting part of this this little two page, you know, it's not, it's not a lot of text, but they kind of go no. into, you know, how Sigmar was brooding because he knew he couldn't fight chaos with just the human forces he had. That he right. needed greater warriors to to help him battle chaos. Yes. Now the the one thing though, as I was reading this text that jumped out to me, and this harkens back to a couple episodes ago, is the Skaven Gnawholes. Yes. Gnawholes? Really? So, I I have to ask, is that where they store all the Skaven poop? You know what? That's that's a very... I just think it just goes right out into space. I think it goes... They got their... I think they have poop portals. And that's got to be it, right? There's, There's realm gates that, you know, take you from one realm to another there's exactly. gotta be portals exactly um i also found it interesting that they seem to be able to work until nagash screwed everything up <laughs> yes uh it seems he betrayed them he wanted to lead and he couldn't lead so he screwed them over of course he did he sold them out to chaos yeah um, and then each realm is just pounded on by chaos. Now, here's my question. Why is it so easy for chaos to pound? I mean, now, I know it says it's a couple hundred years, but chaos, the four gods, all focused their energy on one small planet before, and it took them about 10,000 years to conquer it. And here they're conquering seven realms in about 300 years. And I guess that leads to the question of where exactly are these little realms these magical realms i mean they're their own world in their own place but where are they like are they inside the the warp are they inside the chaos realm are they pockets of not are they out you know you know mike you see what i'm saying yeah. i mean they don't seem yeah, to be in, they don't seem to be in our reality because if they were in our reality then 
why are they pockets? Like, what's what are they like? You know, the, I mean, I hate to call them bubble realms because that sounds stupid. Well, but you know, I mean, if you read modern science, you know, th- there's talk of there being different dimensions, and that we're just one dimension in in this reality, right? Right. It, it, there could be multiple realities as we know it. Yeah, that yeah, that is possible. Yeah, so I'm just curious as to where it is, and now they're just really tearing through. It's like, are we are they in the eye of terror? I mean, a lot of people have said that the Warhammer world is just a small planet inside the eye of terror. Now, are these pocket dimensions all in there, or are they inside the realm of chaos? That's I, that's just a question I'm curious about. I don't know that it, it does it doesn't get answered in the book. Nope. But um, it's just something I'd like to see. I, I would too. I'm curious as well. I like the interesting stuff that uh, that they go through here. That you know that when they when they they land on the planet and through righteousness they prevail, and then they get the list of the different realms. And people have heard all this before. They've, I mean, there's a realm for every every wind of magic. I mean, basically, when the Warhammer world died, and there was each of these, you know, at the end of you know, end times, you had the incarnate who basically was the embodiment of each wind of magic. They they had become one with a wind of magic. As the spell goes off at the end and Archeon manages to pull the entire world into the chaos uh, warp, you know, you've got you know, got Malekith sitting there forgetting who he is at the end, and right. you've got all these falling in. And then these, basically, you know, the winds of magic, they always, always, they always came out of the chaos gates you know that's where the magic always came from and it was somehow split into these eight parts in that world and so as it got sucked in the world those eight parts each sort of coalesced into their own thing right with those gods being a part of it which is why you know these guys show up in their own realms later um it does lead to the question of how long have these realms been around you know like how old are they now i mean they're basically all sort of gods at this point they are truly yes so and, and makes you think that maybe the realms always existed, and that's where magic was always coming from. It's possible, yeah. I mean, you know, well, I mean, we always it was always explained as when those when the gates were broken, that there was magic coming through from the warp. You know, um, it was coming out as pure stuff of chaos, and it, it, you know, but it's not like we had prisms that we broke them up into. They naturally fell into these so they could have always existed um but so we've got all these different realms now and so sigmar is going around pulling the bravest and the most defiant and all that stuff and he realizes only by laying down the mantle of warrior god and fully embracing the role of god king could Sigmar succeed? To aid his new endeavors, he called upon the fractious pantheon of feuding gods that he had first assembled in the Age of Myth. Willing or not, each gave to Sigmar a gift that became instrumental in what was to come. So, and that's when he basically starts to put together the Stormcast Eternals. And it's in Sigmaron, his palace city. And uh, the warrior chamber that they describe here is cool. I sort of broke down the numbers, and a warrior chamber seems to have about 300, a little over 300 warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, if this is literal, you got about five command. You know, you got a Lord Celestine, a Lord Relictor, um, you know, the Castellant, the Vexilor, the Heralder, the five guys. You got about 18 right. prosecutors on wings, 
72 paladins. So right there you've got uh you know almost 100 100 guys. Then you got 60 judicators and 180 liberators. Right. So it's yeah. Right. <laughs> Boom. They they're not playing. They're coming nope. in hardcore and it's it's some pretty cool stuff. Um Yeah, I mean but it's still it's, it's a small force when you look at it against what they're going up against. Right. Right. Uh, They're elite warriors. Exactly. Now, granted, you know, as they talk about this in the beginning, as they look out over that before they go to that initial battle, there's like 10,000 of them. So there's a lot of these little little groups, you know, uh, of of about 300 that that tend to go out. Um, But it's just it's a nice little breakdown. Gives you an idea. It does. Now, then we get to talk about chaos. Yes, and the of course, conquerors. Yeah, and of course you get the blood god's domain. And I didn't realize, I don't know if, if Corn has always been the most powerful. Um, in it here. waxes and wanes during different stories over the years, but Corn is most typically in ascendance. It seems that way, at least in this. I mean, Nurgle waxes and wanes, and when he's, when, he's, when he's strong, he's really strong. I love how they describe when, he's, when his power's not there, when there's not a lot of pestilence in the world, how he, he like, loses weight. So there's a lot of <laughs> flabby skin just hanging off of him, but he's not, you know, he's not all bloated and full. And, of course, Zinch, you know, sees into the future and is always twisting and mixing things, which you wonder how he doesn't become ascendant all the time, considering he sees where everything's going. It's truly. And Slanesh is missing, but not dead. I mean, people keep asking if Slanesh is dead, they're going to get rid of him. Um, if, first of all, if he was dead, his he wouldn't have any minions. Exactly. You know, I, be, They're setting up something big. Yeah, because there's some interesting stuff going on here, and I think that's where they keep mentioning. Uh, they mentioned a couple of times in this book where, where excuse me, Slaneshi armies are showing up because they've been led there because they can tell that they're their God is, is there. And that, 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 those are not realms that have been really mentioned so far in this. So, you know, that's going to be some big event. Uh, the horned rat pops in. Um, but yeah, but corn is, corn is the one who's powerful. And of course, then you get the whole, the road of supremacy of chaos is paved with skulls, you know, um, for the skull throne. Exactly. And they, they describe his domain with the brass citadel, I love the story of the gates here, by the way, the, when they describe his domain. Um, they talk about the, the skulls, the mountains of skulls, the brass citadel. And apparently, if he sends you out to do a job and you get <laughs> killed, now you can't really be killed. Um, the mindless troops are just extensions of his power. Almost, I, I, I picture them as like drones, worker bees or ants, you know. Where he sets out his power, it manifests as as you know blood letters, and if they get killed, then that power just rushes back to him. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Um, but then he's got some of these bigger, more powerful creatures who, when they get beaten, go back to the realm of chaos, but reform as they were, and so, and have to walk the road of shame. Yeah, I know it's a total <laughs> walk of shame. It's like that part. It's like that last bit from Game of Thrones last season. Only way worse. <laughs> exactly. It says it's infinitely worse than death itself. 
So we, it starts with this uh, broken in body, skull wrath was banished from the mortal realms, and the bloodthirster spirit forced to return. So alone and unla- unaided, he completed the excruciating odyssey, his hunched and crippled form moving in painful lurches. After an infinity of suffering, not eternity, infinity suffering, the spirit finally dragged itself across the seemingly endless skull fields. So he gets to the end of the broken lands, lifting his battered being to stand before the mighty brass citadel, an insignificant speck before the colossal edifice of spike-ridden metal and manifest rage. So the main gates are closest, but that's not for you. <laughs> nope. If you're you got to go to the back door. Exactly. <laughs> you know, only closers get the Glengarry leads. You don't get to come in the front door. If you lost, you got to walk all the way around the house to the back door. And it's huge. <laughs> right. So you have to cross the moat of boiling blood at the gates of the vanquish, a dishonor worse than torture, where wa- their wailed voices of those bested in battle depose demon lords and the crownless who once were kings. And you show up and then the gatekeeper asks, who dares return defeated? And, you know, you're shamed, you're angry, you have to say your name, you know, announce that you're there, that you're a loser. Right. It is I who have been beaten. Who's bested you? By the will of Sigmar, I was defeated. At the hands of the Stormcast Eternals, I was cast down. So it was for the first time that the name of the Stormcast Eternals was spoken before the Brass Citadel. It would be repeated many times soon after. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That just, (laughs) I love the idea of the walk of shame. If you get me to, it's, that's so great that I never, you know, that's not something I'd ever seen before in another book. And it's like, oh, that's that's just beautiful. It was. And and the artwork on the opposite page, the, the Stormcast Eternal Vindicator fighting the, the uh, Bloodthirster. Right. Gorgeous. Yes. Dude, all the art in this book. There's not a bad picture in here. No, there isn't. Everything is tip top. Nothing seems recycled. It's all just, I mean, there might be some pictures, but the photographs of the models, the drawings of the battles, everything in here is just really sweet. Um, So now you get into this, this, we're nearly at the end of the Age of Chaos, where the Age of Sigmar is about to begin. Um, Now, of course, they would have won, but... They looked at the battlefield and said, all right, our guys are just mopping up. It's pretty much a done deal, isn't it? Yeah, I don't really have to watch too closely. Hmm, I think I'll go, uh, I think I'll go sucker punch my brothers. You know, <laughs> That's chaos for you. <laughs> time. So basically, Korn attacked Nurgle, Zinch, and the Horned Rat all at once. Right. And he was winning there, too. Like, he was taking their lands and beating the crap out of them. Uh, and the only slowdown to Corn basically taking over everything. He kind of reminds you of the Hulk. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I, I know that's a, that's a bit of a stretching the analogy, but you know, the Hulk, the more you hit him, the angrier he gets, and the angrier he gets, the more powerful he gets. Exactly. And he's so, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it gets harder and harder and harder to beat him. Exactly. Um, so basically, and the, and the only time you can beat the Hulk is if you stop, or if he stops fighting other people, and and he sits down and relaxes. And here, the only slowdown to Corn taking over everything is when his own minions fought themselves. 
Yeah, they were just bored because they had already beaten everybody else up. Yes, so they start beating themselves up. And Korn's cool with that because, A, I don't, he doesn't care where the blood comes from. Right. And, B, weakness is not tolerated. Exactly. If, you, if, if these guys can kill you, they should kill you. Exactly. Weed out the weak. Exactly. Which, once again, goes into a weird sort of thing because I guess when the mortals of chaos, mortal chaos followers do it, that's one thing. It's when you've got roving packs of blood letters and stuff being pointed at each other. It's like, dude, those are both manifestations of your own power. You know, that's like one set of hands trimming the nails off the other set of hands. You're not really... You know that, that you know that's I, that that doesn't seem to you know that's just me I guess. Well, you, the way I look at it is is that they're they're killing off the weak energy so it can go back into the pool and be recycled. Yeah, I guess that's right. You know, plus even those guys can ascend up to bigger things, can't they? They can, yeah. I mean, you could you could be you could get a, you could get a mount and become a rider if you're good. Yep. And those guys can become captains who I guess could become demons eventually and beca- and get their own sort of consciousness uh, uh, permanently. Exactly, and that's how you get to the exalted demons. Right. Uh, now let's see. This is when the Stormcast attack is when chaos was most divided. They're all sort of punching each other in the face, and Sigmar's like, okay, now. And I love this part. Um, so he goes in there, and this is, he starts doing and Corrin sees, oh, crap, we did it we, we, again. <laughs> We're losing again. You're right. And he actually, it says he started from his b- brass throne. And I'm just picturing Corn, like the hands going to the edges of the armrests and him just standing up just a little bit and looking like, wait, what? So and great. And screaming. Yes, it shook. Every realm shook to its core. Uh, the gods' war cry echoing through eternity. A coppery wind, a blasting furnace gale blew out of the realm of chaos and scoured, scoured the mortal realms. Everywhere, upon rippling banners or emblazoned in the scaly flesh, the rune of corn burned bright. It, if it was war those bold upstarts wanted, corn would show them its true meaning. So then you get that. And then, of course, oh, look, there's war bands of corn, how to paint corn. And then we get to the finally get to an Age of Sigmar section. Why don't we do this real quick? Why don't we take another quick break and we'll come back and we'll go through uh, the Age of Sigmar section. And once again, this is out of order, which is, uh, I mean, I'm sorry if the beginning, uh, at the beginning it was a little herky-jerky even in our talk about it because I've got three different books covering this and it's not going in order because we went from the Age of Chaos to the Age of Sigmar and then we're going to go back to the Lost Ages, you know, which is... yep. Which so, is kind of, it's the way the book is laid out. Yeah, so it's a little odd, but we're going to get to it. So quick break, and we'll be back. Superstore. Chaos. 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 Chaos.
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Orc Superstore. Hey folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mierce Miniatures at MierceMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mierce Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mierce-Miniatures.com and seriously guys, you'll be glad you did. We are back at the age of Sigmar beneath clouds of war. So, um, jumping right in here, you know this. The I like it starts with the with the Oruks coming out in the beginning. You're like, wait, what? Uh, and the Oryx come out, and their number is huge. After years of subjugation by chaos, the tribes were eager to roll forth, meeting out their own kind of destruction. So basically, you're like, wait, what's going on here? Um, and this is a little list of all the different realms and who lives there. And when the Stormcast Eternals show up, it basically, anybody who has survived this far sees these golden, you know, larger-than-life warriors coming down on bolts of lightning and kicking Chaos's ass. And they're just like, yes. And they grab their weapons and run out to, to fight alongside them. Yeah, it, finally seeing some some hope, somebody else fighting back. Yes. And winning. Exactly. Um, so then they get this, you know, um, you get this little blurb about the Seraphon. Uh, I, I love the lizard men. You know, I love the lizard men in concept, and now the idea of the Seraphon. And they're talking about the different realms. The most enigmatic of all combatants were the cold-blooded Seraphon. From the stars they came, called into the thick of the war by the magic of the Slan. Using teeth, claws, and ineffable weaponry, the reptilian warriors set savagely upon the forces of chaos. Following each battle, they departed with no word other than the triumphal roars of their Saurian monsters. So these guys just sort of show up. Like, they don't even seem to have a realm. <laughs> Their realm are the pyramids floating in... In space, yes. Space. They're, yeah, they're out there, just sort of around, showing up, kicking ass, and then leaving. 
Um, I do look forward to learning more in the future about them. It, you know, they they were so beaten back at the the end of the end times. You, the, all of their spawn pools were being <laughs> this desecrated well, they, by the Skaven. They sacrificed themselves to save the world, at least during that huge attack right. where they pulled the moon down on the planet. They saved the planet. Yeah, and then everything gets trashed, and then they just leave. Yep. So but now long. they've had a millennia to replenish their numbers yep. and to grow strong again. Are you kind of... That's I, I think one of my biggest bits of curiosity is to see how these i just i wonder if the the legacy list for lizard men is just going to be cuz i mean already they don't say lizard men it says seraphon in their in their keywords and stuff yeah but is that just is that list just going to transfer over and be the seraphon now or is everyone going to get a couple of cool new models are something's going to i mean you don't want to see anything disappear and not not be there but maybe it's going to get either a makeover or if not a makeover, then you know some new rules that are different yeah. than the ones that I. I mean, I wouldn't mind if they suddenly do the Seraphon as the Seraphon, not as the Lizardmen list, and not some all. of the rules change. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I've been wondering that too. You know, because we have the the like you're saying the Legacy War Scrolls for for all the old models from Warhammer Fantasy, and I, I'm really curious to see. Uh, tomorrow when the uh or well not tomorrow next weekend when the the chaos battle tome comes out what's that list going to look like is it going to include everything that from before that they're not replacing or is it only going to re- have in it what they just released yeah i hope it's not just i mean is it is it a is it the blood tide is that the list or what is it what's it called because if it's just the blood tide it might just be the corn stuff which it's possible yeah, but uh, I would like to see, sort of like you said, where that's going. Or you know, um, I'm wondering if you know how a lot of the as they were releasing these armies over the last few years, they uh, certain things like didn't get a redo. Either they stayed in fine cast, which nothing new is coming out in fine cast. Yeah, not that you we've know. seen. Yeah. So if something is staying in fine cast, or if it's um, if it's uh, what do you call it? Um, moving on to plastic, right? If it's moving, or if it's, I mean, if it stayed in metal, that's what I was trying to say. If oh, it stayed, stayed in, in metal. metal, is that something that stayed because it's going to be getting something new in the new version? Because the only thing in the army book for the dwarfs that stayed in metal were slayers. Right, and they mention now the these fireborn Duarden, and so I'm wondering if when they get to the Duarden and they start releasing them, I think everything that got a new model is going to stay a new model. They're, they wouldn't put all that work into the hammerers and the iron breakers and the iron drakes to dump them. No, but, all that tooling's too expensive. Right, but they didn't redo the 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 slayers. Yeah, which everybody cried about, right? I mean, yeah, and we wanted new slayers. Yeah, and they're literally listed here as a whole section of these guys who seem to be the mercenaries, which talk about a change. Seriously, from their storyline in there, 
this, you know, they, they, you've got these slayers who go off and fight this final battle, but that fire and that burning and that change, now they're like mercenaries. But I have got a feeling they're going to, you know, when that comes out, you're going to see new models for that. I agree. And, and, you know, one thing also, you know, for, for the people who are you know, not happy with the change and don't, you know, what happened to my army and such, if, if you look back at what has been happening in 40K since GW came out with 7th edition, their release schedule is insane. Nobody can keep up with it. People like, no. you know, Reese, who, who runs Frontline Gaming, and Warhammer 40K is all he does 24-7, he can't keep up with it. Right, and I mean, people are giving up even on trying to keep up with the books at this point. Exactly. You so know, what we are probably going to be seeing, I would hope, if they have the same kind of, you know, backlog ready to come out, we should be seeing big releases happening rapidly and fleshing all this out over the next year. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm hoping because there's there's so much cool stuff here. And the, what is nice is the stuff that we got at end times. You know, yes, $400 worth of books. We've 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 t- touched on that ad nauseum. Yeah, but the models, all of those, everything in there is in here, and they're all getting a feature. Yep. You know, all the the Glotkin are back. You know, when they wound up in those jars at the end of the Glotkin book. You know, I almost put my Glotkin in a jar when I read that. I was like, <laughs> no. But Nurgle just kept them, and he smashed the jar and sent them back. I mean, yep. you know, that's what he does. Um, all the Mortarks. And Nagash, they're still doing their thing. So that all that stuff is still a part of the, and it's and it's it's actively a part of the story. It's not just well, yeah, you can still use it. It's yeah. like, oh no, don't worry about it. We you know, we introduced yeah. them there because they're going to be here. Yes. Um. And we see reference to them. Yes. Following Nagash's crushing defeat in the War of Bones, Chaos Invader conquered much of Shias, the Amethyst Rome. The War of Bones. Uh, they're just casually mentioning all this crap that I don't know what it is. Exactly. And it's like, Which oh, hopefully we'll get a Black Library book for it one day. Well, exactly. Or else it's going to be in one of these campaign books. Uh, that could be, too. I mean, and dude, they're just laying it in thick, too. So it's just like they are teasing all this upcoming stuff in this book that looks pretty cool. Um, I love in the Ulgulens. Um, entire chaos armies are swallowed up in the realm, in the fog banks, in the shadows. Um, the followers of Corn, eager to meet a worthy challenge and scornful of anything that skulked in the fog, marched in force upon the Mistlands. Uh, Slanesh's followers came in still greater numbers, speaking of signs that pointed toward the whereabouts of their missing god. They blamed Malarian and eagerly sought his whereabouts. Now, here's another one of those things where people kept mentioning Malarian. Mm-hmm. And asking, well, who's this Malarian? Who is he? A mix of Tyrion and Malekith? I mean, okay, no. did I? Did they? Not, I mean, and I'm not bagging on other people. And when they're, but I mean, I'm listening to podcasts who are asking who this is. Did you not read the whole book? Because that's Malekith. He's got a new name. Right. He came through with no memory, and his name. I mean, you know, hey, this is my. And this brings up another question. I, I get you're changing the names because you can't. Copyright dwarf, but you can copyright Dwarden, or at least that's right. what everybody assumes it is. GW never officially came out and said, "Hey, listen, we're changing the names so that we could legally protect them from you schlubs." Right. I mean, they're never going to come out and say that. Um, 
but for whatever reason, you know, the, the, the names, you know, Malekith was in Marvel Comics way before he was Malekith in, in that. So maybe that's the change. But now, did they just come across and it's because of jumbled memories and, 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 and being reborn in a new realms that they just, you know, I mean, things could, it could literally be that they scrambled your brains and now it's just, you're, it, it you know that that's how you remember it. You know, you just remember it wrong. Or have they been here this long that the language has changed? You know, it takes. I mean, as once again, sorry, English teacher coming out here, hundreds of years for languages to change that significantly. So, how long have they been here? Is it that, or is it just that they came through, and some things were remembered and some things weren't? I, I, it's not a big deal. Either way, no. But I'm curious. You know, and this mm-hmm. this is like sort of the big question. Um, you know, Games Workshop ended fantasy and started Age of Sigmar, but brought a lot of things over. And I know it can be a little irritating to say, well, look, if you're going to kill my game and then start it up and then have all the old characters from my old game, why'd you kill my game? <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, that's, you, you see what I'm saying? And, yep. and they did. They brought a lot of characters over. Um, you know, where the heck did all of the tree kin and stuff come from? And they, actually, that's explained in this story, and I like how they explained it in this story. Yes. Um, because the dwarves came over. Don't ask me how. They didn't explain that. But there don't seem to be any elves. Nope. Not a one. No. I mean, well, there's four. Well, but, yes, but, but they're it. gods, yeah, or demigods, right? And uh, and then the rest of them, no, five actually. Sorry, there's five, and um, the, but the rest are just not here. And so there's a lot of cool things happening, and I'm just kind of curious as to how long they've been here, and you know, how, what constituted you getting being brought over, because the dwarfs seem to have come over in mass as a race. But the elves haven't. But the orcs have, and the ogres have. And the ogres are getting about as much attention in this book as the lizardmen did in the first couple of books for End Times. They basically got a mention that basically said, they're another destructive race that likes to eat and fight. Right. And that's pretty much all they got. <laughs> and then you got the ale guzzlers, which apparently the giants are their own race now. Oh, is that what they are, the ale guzzlers? Because I, I saw that. I was wondering who they were. Dude, if, if you can just have a race of giants. <laughs> Fun. Oh, well, I mean, you can technically. You just take all giants. I mean, there's yeah. nothing stopping you. That, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's kind of awesome. Um, oh, but here's the thing that really grabbed me. When I got to here, I was like, oh, yes. Archeon is still here. Yeah. Uh, the most successful and ruthless commander in the Age of Chaos was Archaon the Ever Chosen. Now, here's what's amazing. First, he comes in and um, it says, before the Demon Wars, when the Chaos turned upon itself, which we talked about right before the Age of Sigmar, when, when, the, when all of Chaos turned on himself, all of them said, Archaon, you're fighting for me, right? And Archaon has always been... The, you know, no, I'm 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 chaos undecided. I don't pick sides. I work for all of you. And so to thank him for destroying the Warhammer world, to thank him for being a ruthless slaughterer in in the age of chaos, they all try to kill him. Right. 
because they're all afraid. I mean, they're literally afraid of him, that if he teams up with one of my brothers, that could tip the scales. And he and he keeps saying, look, I'm not siding with any of you. I, that's not how I work. And they all were like, baloney. And right. so they all tried to kill him. Yep. And, uh, and he stopped them all. And he comes out stronger than ever. So... He, basically, it's another set of trials that he he wins. So Archeon yeah. is even better than before, dude. Talk about when he gets a re-release because he didn't get a new model either. No, he didn't, and uh, and I was surprised at the time, but now, yeah, imagine what he's going to get. Yes, the master of countless hordes, commander of colossal beasts and monsters. The last bastions of the realm of light were swept away. Archeon cast down the living idol that led the Uruks of the wild plains, and he that slaughtered the darkling beast folk in the realms of shadow. In his wake, the ever-chosen planted banners of each of the chaos gods, save only the horn rat whom he disdained as unworthy. He's still in this realm. Is like, screw you rat people. Yep. He didn't like them back at the, at the end of, the, he used them as just basically tools to throw away. And end times, and the same things going on here. They're still being put upon. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, and no offense to my Skaven playing friends. I'm one of them. I love Skaven. I have a huge Skaven army, but yeah, it's... Arcan just doesn't care. And I love this whole idea that he's going to now conquer all eight realms, and they're going to put him in charge of all eight realms. That's what he deserves. He's not getting a planet. It's his right Listen, I destroyed that planet for you. Now there's eight realms popped out of it, and you're going to let me rule over them all because I'm going to conquer them all for you, and you're going to make me the ruler of eight realms. Dude, if he did that, he basically would have sent to to the, the pantheon of, of the gods, wouldn't he? That would go beyond. You think? Yeah, I mean, seriously, that would go beyond being a, a, a greater demon and demonhood. Um, eventually they stop trying to kill him. And I love the, 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 the reasons. Korn sees a warrior unbowed, a killer unmoved by politics. Nurgle sees a gifted corrupter leaving destruction that, you know, the death and destruction he leaves behind him is fertile ground for Nurgle. <laughs> Zinch, more suspicious than his brothers, saw an Archeon perhaps more than he ever suspected. Hey, there's something here that I didn't notice. And so they all gave him new gifts. You know, bringing him to be a demigod. Of yes, chaos. ever. Yeah, he's they, he is anointing him the ever chosen demigod of chaos. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, what else we got in here? Uh, the first they talk about how the Stormcast Eternals first attacked. Uh, is it Akshi? A Q S H Y. That's a dumb word. I'm sorry. <laughs> I agree. I, I, dude, I've been putting in the computer trying to figure out where it came from. If there's some, you know, word that I, I'm not. Well, let me try one more time. Yeah, they've they've made up several words in in this game so far. And I understand that they have to, but is there something similar that I could at least look for? Yeah, and uh, nope. And yeah, the only stuff that comes up is. Um, there's no, there's no spelling of it. It's all Warhammer Wikipedia, Warhammer Wikipedia stuff. Right. There's nothing that comes from a, 
it's you know like a lot of the uh, empire stuff was based on germanic words you could type them in and sometimes get a german yep. explanation you know yeah. not, no not this no but there is mention of the fire slayers right cuz you got grungni and grimnir have lived now there were always 3 there was grimnir grungni and valia yeah valia is getting no mention and if we remember uh, basically, all of her magical powers and everything were eaten by Nagash. Right. So I think she's just dead. Yeah. Seems so, that way. Yeah. So. And and little spoiler here on page 35 for the end of the book. Uh-huh. Not even the realm of heavens is safe from Skaven spies. No. In fact, it talks about when he locked the doors... He had to clear out all the orcs and the Skaven that were in there because they they get everywhere. But uh, yeah, so Grungni and Grimnir, yeah, they the the ones who follow Grungni are builders and creators and engineers. That's right, and uh, and the ones who follow Grimnir are mercenaries. The problem is they get paid in ur gold, and I don't know what the difference between ur gold and regular gold is. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> it's another new word. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you can't say Urgold. Um, but more disturbing still, if a counteroffer was generous enough, the Fire Slayers would just as willingly fight alongside Chaos Armies. I don't like reading that. I don't either. That I, bugs me. Yeah, and I don't know exactly how far that goes. Um, is that supposed to be a, a, a flashback to Chaos Dwarfs? Because they were always in the in the realm of fire. You know, um, yeah, but the I mean, the, are. But I just makes don't... you think of slayers, though. Yes, and they, they, yes, I mean they worship the slayer god. Right. I don't like the idea that they've become that mercenary that they'll fight for anybody for money because I just the idea of treachery in the dwarfs it breaks my heart. It pisses, and I know I'm going to get emails and tweets and people posting up ha ha just because everyone has to be to the guy you know right <laughs> i don't know why people hate on dwarves so yeah. much i love dwarves i know it's, it's like <laughs> my listeners are to dwarf lovers um yeah i mean of course i'm a christian and i guess i'm supposed to give you a hard time oh yes oh that's dwarves. right you're yes you're you're another chris you have to yeah. give me grief over dwarves but you like dwarves so you're bre- you're breaking the mold there my friend i i am um we also get a little clip here about nagash um, apparently he was beaten somehow, or if not beaten, then at least knocked back into a coma or whatever. Yeah. Well, um, he was beaten bad enough that he had to go back to his tomb and, and heal. Yeah. And when he emerged from the starless gates, he comes back to take back his land of the dead. And, uh, it's just, it, it, okay. Nagash is doing what Nagash has done throughout the last 30 years of the Warhammer world. Nagash got beat. Nagash refused to die. Nagash's body reformed. He came back more pissed off than ever and raised everything up and took back what was his. I mean, that's pretty much the cycle, right? That's what he does. Exactly. Um, but but this war, the war of the dead, can you imagine an unending war? Undead versus demons. Nurgle demons. Yes. It, it, it's endless. Yeah, and it actually talks about how 
Soon, all across her chaos, conquerors were under attack. Warriors from long dead civilizations lurched into battle. And the saying, you know, it may take a hundred of these undead to take down one Nurgle champion, but then that Nurgle champion gets back up and he's fighting on our side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it says when he comes back, he does this spell and he basically raises all the dead on the entire planet because it's a planet made from death magic. Yeah. I mean, he only suffers humans to live who willingly serve him properly and know their place. And when they die, he gets their bodies anyway. So you can either live for a while and serve me properly and I'll take your body when you're done or I'll kill you and take your body now. Right. It's, you know, you could pay me now or you could pay me later type of thing. With Bring your coins. Oh, pay, it's just pay, pay for the, the exactly. river. Exactly. On your way to death. And then you get a whole section here. And, you know, as a, as a guy who, oh, I just love my undead. And now, honestly, I was, at, at first I was reading all this stuff and thinking, oh, no, it's going to be too broken if you if you go and mix the, into the four, you know, legions. I'm all about the legions at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, not only is it, a, is it a cool idea, but it really does help you to shore up your weaknesses, especially with, uh, you know what I mean? Because even Stormcast, they have no wizards. They have no they have no one to dispel or cast magic. Right. So against something a little magic heavy, they've got issues. It's nice to have, you know, to be able to mix. And mixing Tomb Kings and Undead and being able to pull out these guys onto the table. Um I'm like I said, I'm reading the fluff and just getting excited. Yeah, bring out your your Tomb King horse archers. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um you know, I've 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 gotten rid of a lot of my stuff, but I've still got um, the sepulchral stalkers and a few things like that that are just like too cool to get rid of. Yeah. Um, but so let's see. Now they start hitting through the uh, the different realms, and okay, so Nagash returns, and I love this uh, the wars in Shyish in uh, page thirty-eight and thirty-nine here. Um, hold on. Do 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 do. Yeah, with the Borrow Wars, the ruin of Nagashar, the yeah. uh, Starless Gates reopens, and the Strange Alliances. Yeah, the Barrow Wars. So he's pulling all the all the all the dead heroes from there and taking out the ruin of Nagashazar because <laughs> Nagash may be all powerful, not exactly creative. No, no, not really. You know, what are you going to name your town? Well, it's Nagashazar. Wasn't the last three cities you built named Nagashazar? It's a good name. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, Question me and you'll join my army. Well, <laughs> I mean, it is. It's just like he just keeps naming. It's, it's, it's seriously, it's like, a, it's like a thankful and bone ripper. Because <laughs> that, uh, that's like the 14th bone ripper in the end time series. It is. And he yep. just keeps naming him bone ripper because well, it's a good name. It's a it's tough a name. name. You know, I don't need it to be clever. Hey, we all do that. How many of us have a name that we use for our computer-generated characters for games we play? Yeah, and we or just, our pets. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've never how, named the pet. The how same. many Fidos are there out in the world? Yeah, but not hopefully not from the same group. Although Santa's little helper, uh, there's been about three of them, too. That's <laughs> true. So, <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I just love this. Now, here I had a little thing with the wars in that says uh uh the necromancer slain was in the Battle of Black Skies. 
uh, the stronghold of Nagashazar was toppled, and then the wars of the dead were burst anew, and then undead forces attacked the Arch of Bones, a gateway to Azir. Why is he attacking the gateways to Azir? Like, I thought those were the ones that were all locked by Sigmar. They are. So, um, they were turned aside by Karzrak Ghul, a bloodthirster with the Mantle of Rage. Only the arrival of Stormcast Eternals saved the undead forces from being destroyed. My question is, why were they attacking the Archway? I mean, unless I'm misreading it, but it says they attacked the Archway, which is the... And then they were turned back, like like the forces of chaos... Now, do they own it? Is it under their control? Because if it's a gate to Azir, those are all closed. There are other realm gates that seem to be open, according to these stories. In fact, that's one of the big things that, you know, and when the gates of Azir, the book ends, and the main character, the, the you know, the Lord Relictor, is sort of got his vision, has got to go on his quest. It's because there's another gate that they own that's open, that they're using their own way. So I'm right. just, I'm curious as to what that's all about. And, I don't know I would, if it's just I don't have enough information or if I'm misreading it. Yeah, I think I definitely would like some more information. I was thinking that you know while Nagash was down and unable to fight and chaos had flooded into the realm, and when he came back, he was trying to fight his way to his gateway that would take him to Azir. Possibly, but aren't they all closed? I mean, that's the whole point. The Stormcast Eternals pop up around the gates to open them because they're locked from both sides by Sigmar and no one's been able to open them, which is why they've got to, like, teleport in next to them. But this is Nagash. He, he's, he can do anything magical. Maybe well, he believes he can actually open it. Well, possibly, although it's got to be open from both sides simultaneously. So even he, well, it's Nagash. He he can, yeah, I can do anything. You're right. That's Nagash. Yeah. Yeah, I can do anything type of thing. All right. Um, then we get into a whole thing about uh, Giran or Giran, which is the realm of life. Am I correct? Yes. And that's that's where a lot of this other this is where the Nurgle slash Sylvan attacks are going. This is where Alariel lives. Um, okay, we know Nurgle's. You know, I know you love corn. Nurgle's my guy. Um, uh, I have a big. I, I actually, if you remember, I brought my Nurgle demons to Adepticon. That's this right, year. you did. That's right. That's right. Um, you were just, you were you are a chaos demon guy. You've got you've got the the the, the stuff going there. I do. Um, but I do have a sizable wood elf army that I've been trying to sell off with with my big sale here going on, and uh, I haven't had any takers even for parts of it, which kind of surprised me because I thought with eighty dryads that some of this stuff would go. Oh yeah, um, but it's not. And eventually, if it doesn't go, eventually I'll just get around to putting it on our bases and playing these games <laughs> out because these are cool. The forces of decay against the forces of life, and these battles are pretty awesome. And this picture on page forty-three, the little map of the the Shimmerfall campaign. Yeah, what a great picture and a great map. And then you've got the the tree there, like which I mean. That's right out of the last couple of pages of Archaeon. That's the is that that's like the tree of, of life. life. Yeah, and yeah. you see it getting sucked up at the end into that hole, like it was one of the last things still there. So I'm wondering if that's something else that survived because. Well, no. If you, maybe you don't remember, this comes up later in the book. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's in the in the campaign section. Yes, that's right. 
the campaign section was the one part that I sort of I, I did skim a little bit only because I didn't read in each of the each of the actual battle plans because I was running out of time. But yeah. dude, that you can't skip those. They're not just scenarios. They actually advance the story, which is great. A lot, yeah. Um, but I kind of like this, you know. Um, you know, Nurgle has it almost conquered. And, of course, when the Stormcasts show up, then the Sylvan forces rise up again. But I like how Alariel is just happy to be alone here. She misses the old world. She loves walking through the forest, which is typical Tolkien elf stuff. I just like to walk through the forest by myself and remember things. Right. But this is great. Apparently, she had some seeds from the trees from Atheloran in her pockets. Of course. When she died. And she brought them with them. And so she's going around and just spreading them here and there and planting them. And this is where all the dryads and the branch rates and the tree men came from. Like she literally brought them with her in her pockets in the form of seeds from the other world. Which Seeds of life. You know what? Which it, it, it works. They're tree people. If you yep. can, if you know, if she got a pocket full of acorns, go for it. You know, I get it. Um, and it answered my question of, wait, why did these guys get to come across and not others? But, it okay, there it is. It, this explains how she built the exact races. Because, let's be honest, outside of those actual battles for the forest, I mean, they never left the forest. So the larger battles, the final battles, they weren't involved in. Um, but then they show up here. And it's like, oh, okay, that works. She brought seeds. Yeah. Um. And then finally it says, you know, the rebellion begins and we get into these attacks here. Uh, they show up everywhere at once, opening all the realm gates. Um, it's There's obviously more than one realm gate on a lot of these planets. Um, but the yeah, gates, but they don't really give us an idea of how many. No, it doesn't seem like there's a set number, and they're obviously not attacking all of them. There seems to be only a single gate to Azir on every world. I'm wondering if there's like seven, you know, like one to get to each of the other realms. That is a possibility. You know, and chaos has corrupted some of them and, and led them to chaos, the chaos realms, because there's the gates of Azir, and that's the one that they're always popping down next to, and they have to hold that gate to open up to the realm of heavens. You know, but if that only leads to the realm of heavens, then how do you get from, you know... The uh, realm of fire to the realm of life. Right, and maybe there's another gate for that. I mean, maybe there's literally a gate for each connection, so there would be seven on each of the eight realms. That would be logical. I, I was wondering if there was something... It, it's mentioned later in the book that... If uh, from the realm of life, if you stood at the gate and the morning light hit the gate, it would open to its adjoining realm, but only for that moment. And I was wondering if you got there at a different time of the day, if it opened to a different realm. Yeah, there's a lot of questions as to that. And it's fine. I'm not I don't mind that I don't know yet mm -hmm. um, because. I mean, you know, it's it, these are all sorts of potential other stories going on here. Um, maybe they explain it later. Maybe they don't. Right now, there's so much going on. I, I, if I didn't have questions, 
that might actually be a bad thing. True. If you're wrapping up nine realms in a neat little bow, 260 pages, then you're probably giving it short shrift, you know? For, that's for sure. So we've got all this. Um, <laughs> okay. I love the orcs or the orcs. <laughs> That you get a bunch of really great pages here, but the Oryx attack Sigmar. Yeah, of course. They yeah. attack anybody. Yeah. It's fun. Be- well, and why not? Because they showed up and they said, oh, look, someone else to fight. Hey, look, it's a good fight. Let's do it. And you're just like, oh, wait, come on. Really? But they do because that's what they do. Um, yeah, exactly. That did really did just crack me up though. It's like you putzes. <laughs> They're coming to save you. The Oryx greeted the Stormcast Eternals not as liberators, but as more fodder for their choppas. Although they did not seek to battle mankind's one time allies, the storm host would let none stay their righteous wrath. So hey look, we didn't come here to fight you, but if you keep hitting us We're, we're gonna hit you back. We're gonna hit you back and you're not gonna like it. Yeah. Oh, it's just beautiful. All right, so and then we're up to the lost ages. So let's take uh, let's take another quick break, and when we come back, we can talk about the dragon, and the core of the planet being you know Sigmarite and all that other good stuff. Sounds good. This night, Vandis cried, and his words swelled and filled the gulf before him. This night we open gates long closed. This night we smite the savage. This night we smite the demon. We cross the infinite. We dare to return to the realms of our birthright. The design of eternity brought you here. Fate gave you your gifts, and the forge has augmented them a hundredfold. You are the foremost servants of the God King now. You are his blades. You are his shields. You are his vengeance. You are the finest, the strongest, the purest. In pain you were made, but in glory you will live. No purpose have you now but to bring terror to the enemy, to lay waste to his lands, and to shatter his fortresses. We are sent now into the heart of nightmares. For ages uncounted, this canker has festered across the face of the universe, extinguishing hope from lands that were once claimed by our people. The war will be long. There will be suffering, and there will be anguish, for we are set against the very legions of hell. But they know us not. They believe all contests to be over, and that nothing remains but plunder and petty cruelties. In secrecy have we been created and our coming shall be to them as the ending of worlds. With our victory, the torment will cease. The slaughter will cease. We will cleanse these worlds with fire and consign the usurpers back to the pits that spewed them forth. Let the years of shame be forgotten. The fallen shall be avenged and the dark gods themselves shall feel our fury. Reconquest begins, my brothers. This night, we bring them war. This night, we ride the storm. 
huge boom shook the chamber, running up from the foundation to the high roof. A howl of thunderborn wind raced through the hall, igniting into white flame as it reached the full pitch of extremity. The golden ambient light exploded, bursting out from every part of the walls. The arched roof and the glistening floors and lightning came with it in beams as thick as a man's arm. Then, as suddenly as it had come, the lightning snapped out, the brilliance faded, and the winds guttered away. Only now, the marble floor was empty. No voices remained. No warriors stood in ranks. Nothing but the receding echoes of the colossal detonation lingered, curled like smoke across the walls of gold. We're back, but where are we? I don't know where we are because we're in the Lost Ages. Ages. All right, folks, I'm back. Dave and Christian here. And, uh, okay, now this is the part where this is actually the very beginning of that Age of Sigmar mini book from the, from the, from the starter kit. Um, you know, so apparently... All that's left of the Warhammer world is the actual core of the planet. And the core of the planet, apparently, they're calling it Sigmarite. I mean, isn't isn't that Gromeril or something similar to it? That's what I was thinking. I was like, where's the Sigmarite come from? Wasn't it the, the yeah, Gromeril, the, the, the dwarven armor? Yeah. So basically, the entire core of the planet, which is a rather large core, if these pictures are anything to be understood. Yeah. Um. You know, it's not. They, they show the pictures. They go. He, there's a hand gripping onto it. It's not like it's the size of a basketball. I mean, it's the no, core of a planet, it's the size and of a he's planet, or yeah. at least a moon, right? And he's hanging onto the side of it. And then it was. Now it says it was Dracothian, the great Drake, that first beheld Sigmar. He was clinging to a lustrous sphere of shimmering Sigmarite that hurled unchecked through the dark ether. Um, he liked the shine of it because apparently dragons are magpies. <laughs> of course, but then again, dragons are greedy and love precious metals. So exactly. he chased it and s- sought to set it in the heavens to better admire its beauty. Only then did he notice the battered form of Sigmar. Sensing a kindred spirit, he revived the god with a warming breath and permitted him to ride upon his back. Sigmar was grateful and thanked Dracothian, bestowing, great gift, or bestowing gifts upon the great Drake. In return, he showed him hidden paths, star bridges, and crystalline passageways that led to each of the eight, eight realms. All right, let's talk about this. First of all, if this is literal, is this the webway? Is he literally going through the warp through warp gates? I mean, those the, that's what these things are, aren't they? I mean, the realm gates are warp gates. <laughs> they are. They must be. And if this is a great dragon, then, and if this is a literal dragon in space... My question is, and just having finished reading Mechanicum for after Olinor for the second time, is this a Satan? That is a good question. Because the great dragon of Mars, apparently the consensus, although they never come right out and say it, is he was one of the Satan. He's an immortal. And it's also mentioned in one of the older Necron codexes. Right. Oh, yeah, well, the Necrons, yeah, they bring them up all the time, yeah. Yeah. And so you've got this great dragon. Now, once again, the language is very flowery. 
it could be allegory because you don't place stars in the heavens and things like that. And let's face it, even as a god, he's flying through space, hanging onto a burning, uh, you know, he's basically at the back of, a, of what looks, even in the drawing, it, the, it looks like a, the twin-tailed comet <laughs> that he's hanging onto, you know? Yep. And uh, but so now notice in this book, they just say he gave him great gifts in the other book. He loved the Sigmarite. So Sigmar fashioned him a necklace of Sigmarite that constantly glowed. So when the dragon wore it, that glow was the thing he liked that attracted him to it was always there with him. This has gotten a lot of grief. Sigmar makes him a friendship necklace. I like this because it reminded me of Feanor and the Silmarils. Oh, yeah. That's, That's the true. first thing I thought of was Feanor crafting the Silmarils and them sort of lighting up the, 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 the Valinor with the Valar, which I thought was very cool, especially because later in the book they talk about how this planet, as it turns, it's almost got its own sort of day cycle to it. It does. And when, it, when it's bright... And shining, Sigmar is full of energy and pep and positivity. And in the evening hours, he's brooding and he's really in tune with what's left of his planet. And it and it defines his mood. If you go back to the Silmarillion with the great trees, they would they would glow during certain hours of the day and they would dim at night. And they are what lit up Valinor. And that wasn't the Silmarils; those were the great trees. But the Silmarils were made of similar type of thing. So. It, it sort of all reminded me, it all fell into that. So Sigmar making the dragon. Plus, what else are you going to make a dragon? Right. <laughs> he doesn't need armor. He doesn't need a weapon. So you make him something that he can put on. And what else? And even then, what, what are you going to pin it to? You're going to make him a brooch? Where are you going to pin it? You're going to make him a, a toe ring? I mean, a necklace <laughs> is like the only thing you could make this guy out of Sigmarite. The only logical thing. He doesn't need a crown. He doesn't need a helmet. He doesn't need, you know, I mean, I suppose you could make him little designer, you know, uh, tips for the end of the wings, the, you know, the, you know, make the little, a pair of hot pants, the bone, the bone tips that, you know, help with the wing membranes, hot pants. No, that's the <laughs> dwellers. Leave that with the dwellers below. No hot <laughs> pants here. Those guys are all skinny, underfed, uh, you know. Uh, Australian guys, I am morbidly obese. You put hot pants on the morbidly obese, that's a crime. <laughs> that stuff needs to be illegal. Nobody wants to see that, not even the, well, sometimes the person in the pants thinks they look good. They're lying to themselves. So, and I'm not, I did not mean to insult the dwellers by saying they're skinny, but compared to me, everybody is. So, <laughs> I don't think the dwellers would take any offense. I haven't met them personally, but they seem like a bunch of good guys. Yes, no, they're great guys. I, I do enjoy I do enjoy them. So, all right, I should say I enjoy their show. I enjoy them, <laughs> dude. There might be certain members of the cast that would enjoy that statement. Yeah, let's see if it comes up because I'm certain it will. They they uh yeah they they jump on something like that. And everything I'm saying after that is just making it worse. Let's stop. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. Once again, is it a literal dragon or is this myth? You know. Well, it, but we're talking about Sigmar. Sigmar is a god, right? What do we know about the realm of gods? A god could be manifested on a planet. Right? Oh sure. And, and a dragon. You know, well, like I said, the Satan are gods. 
I mean, they're the ones who who helped the Necrons and did all this stuff. And they're star gods. They came from the stars, right? And they actually remember that they had that they led the Necrons to help defeat the the old ones, the old ones. Mm -hmm. So, and once again, in this book, you take the form of dragons. So, is it another connection? Are we? Am I? I'm, I'm not trying to build connections that aren't there. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be build connections to suddenly come to that Sigmar's the emperor or one of the one of the two missing Primarchs or any of that nonsense. No, no, um, no. But there are cool things that do, I mean, hell, we already know the Lizardmen straddle both games at, with what with, with what they were doing at the end. That's true. And, and as Rotor pointed out, look at the weapons they have. They have Necron writing all over some of their weapons. Yes. I mean, they have spaceships. Do I have to say more? Flying pyramids, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that is fantastic. I mean, oh, it's, as a it is, very long-time GW gamer, you know, since the since 1990, I, I've been into this game, and I, I just love that fluff. Yeah. When they got in there in the end times and the Skaven smashed that thing because the voices coming through sounded like elf things, I actually fist-pumped. I'm like, yes! There Me it is. Too. It was so cool. But, um, okay, so he shows him how to jump through and explore the eight realms. I think it's interesting. He awakened the gods in these realms. Um, so apparently some of them came through and were either groggy or just, you know, the, the changes that had happened had left them weakened. Or memory loss. Yes, we have some, some of this. So I'm wondering if this is, once again, a, a mix of myth and a little bit of apocrypha. Um well, but, it is called the Age of Myth. Yeah, and there are relics from that age. You know, like you look through it, and there's like stuff. Like he, they talk about how Sigmar wandered these lands and found evidence of ancient civilizations there in some of these places. So it's like, well, how long has it been there? Was there a civilization? Is there something there, or is this just, you know, if 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 you talk about the realm of chaos and the stuff of magic, and when you go into these pure chaos magic realms. You know, your thoughts of of the more powerful beings just take on shape. So are some of these remnants memories or ideas from the gods or the incarnates who have brought a part of themselves into this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, because, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, there's, there's no coincidence that the... You know, the land of fire has certain guys and that the land of life, Alariel's in. I mean, obviously, she was the goddess of it. So, if, I mean, if you're the incarnate of life, you're going to be in the realm of life. But then for the realm of life to look like Alariel's lands, you know, on top of it, it's like, you know, it all it all fits. And so it, it begs these questions. Are they well, magic is mutable, right? So the wielder of magic controls and creates it and molds it. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. So uh, is, is this stuff he's finding a product of the mind of the gods he's finding, or is it not? I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff that I don't need an answer for now, but I'm curious about, and I'd like to see what where they go with it. And then, uh, of course, you get a brief utopian period here where he unites all the gods and everyone's doing their thing. And then friggin' Nagash... Has to do this chaos attacks in mass. It starts the age of chaos, uh, and basically, they, they, it says how they're able to keep chaos out. Chaos attacks them this entire time, and they keep them out constantly. 
un- until they start to fall apart. And the fall apart's kind of interesting. Alariel just doesn't want to deal with things, and this comes up later. She just wants to be alone. She doesn't want to go to meetings. She doesn't want to listen to arguments. She just wants to stay in her realm. Nagash wants to rule everything. Um, Tyrion. Gorka Morka. Gorka Morka just wants to smash stuff. <laughs> I'm tired of being told what to do. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, Tyrion and Malarian just, they, we need to go find our people. The, we, the, where are our people? What happened to them? Yeah, and we got to go kick Slanesh's ass while he's still while he's still while he's still knocked out on tryptophan. <laughs> apparently, exactly. el, apparently, elf, yeah, apparently, elf souls are full of the same stuff that turkey is. <laughs> uh, but uh, so it attacks, and so this is where Sigmar loses Galmaraz, mm-hmm. which I'd like to know exactly how that happened. The all-seeing, all-knowing Sigmar drops it, and like, did the did the did the tide of battle sweep him away from it? And when he came back there, it was gone. I mean, that's not something I, you just sort of put down. And be yeah, like, hey, I really that? hated that part of this book. Yeah, and apparently, we find out in the next book how it happened. Okay, yeah, because you find out where it is at the end of this book, which was cool. Yes. But yeah, the whole idea that's like, what do you put? He, he put it down and go went and got a sandwich, and then forgot it. I mean, I've done that. I've taken my wallet out when I got home because I don't want to be sitting on my wallet, and I put it on the table, and then I go out, I get in the car, I get four blocks from home, I got to come back and get it. I forget things. Yeah, you happens. don't forget Kelmaraz. Like, I mean, how did you lose that? It's your magical hammer. How do you yeah. forget your magical hammer? It's like it is the magical hammer. It's your it's your freaking god weapon. So, now he loses that. He retreats to Azir. He closes the gates. Uh, Azerheim is his big city. And why not Azerheim instead of Everheim? You're right. You know, once again, we don't have to be original. We can take stuff from our old world. Who's going to know? I mean, there's like eight of us, ten of us that came over from the old planet. Like, who's going to be like, you renamed, you know? I mean, heck, if, 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 if he can call it Nagashazar. <laughs> That's not even a small change. He said, "No, I'm putting my name on everything." So you got that. Uh, many refugees coming from other realms as he was closing up, and it's weird because they talk about the gates of Azir and Azerheim is his city, and once again, I think this is in part of the writing, and I don't know if I'm not getting it or if I'm just misreading it, but it almost sounds like he didn't close off the whole realm. He just closed off this huge city. Is that part? Is that just is the whole realm that city and there's other stuff but From the drawings we see later in the book it seems to me like that city is the whole realm right and then so you've got the whole realm which looks like a little black sphere with the city on top take i mean like like enough to to lopside the whole planet yeah but then you've got that huge like Saturn's rings, artificial city around the core of what was the Warhammer world, right next mm-hmm. to it. Um, his realm is, seems kind of small too. It does. I mean, you've got the core of a planet, which is obviously smaller than a whole planet, and it dwarfs the that. So I'm I'm not certain exactly how the pictures work or exactly what I'm looking at. Um, I'm just letting that slide for now. I mean, it's probably very obvious, and I'm just missing it. But I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to worry about it. But it, it's a cool picture. I'd like to understand what I'm looking at. 
It, it is a cool picture. And, <laughs> and if you notice over on the right-hand side is the dragon. Yes. Of course he's there. Staring at his shite, shiny, bright star. Right. That, yeah, it's it's a really, like I said, there's there's cool, the artwork is just gorgeous. Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, even the picture of the city over there with all the stuff, and you see how big it is. But then, yeah, there's the dragon. All the way on the other side. It's just, it's yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. It is. I, I, I do, I do, I do just love the artwork in this. Um, so then we go on. Let's see what else we got. And they talk the battle at the gates of dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the battle of the gates of dawn, the stormcast eternals do not speak. So grievous were their losses that day. It's like, oh, I, oh, I, what? I want to know about that. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> right. That's it. Yeah. Um. And then so Sigmar walks into these new yet ancient lands, freeing them from any monsters. Um, and so it's Sigmar's hammer and the arc bolts of Dracothian, because Dracothian is traveling the new realms with him. So they're both killing monsters together, going around, and then you get sort of these these listings of these different places. Um, and and he, Hish, or how you, you know, I, I think it's Hish. Yeah. Tyrion wakes up. Tyrion's blind. Right. And Teclis is with him. Teclis is his eyes. Like they're not only brothers, but now they like have to work together. Because Tyrion is blind and uh and Teclis is there working with him. Um and they had the they had a realm to shape. So like they, they apparently they could form the realm to their whim, but they found no elves. They did find Sigmar. And they 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 are sad that outside of Azerheim, no elves had been found. So apparently, there's some elves in Azerheim, because remember they said when people fled to there, right? So apparently, all the elves seem to have fled to there, and there's not that many of them. But so they swear to join him and follow him to Azir. Uh, they follow him on his journey before he gets back there. Um, I love the story of Ulgu, the realm of shadow, where Malarian is there. He's literally a shadow. He starts off as a being of shadow, and as he slowly starts to get a bit of his mind back, he's able to will himself into a solid form. Um, and he's angry and searching th- through Ulgu, and he finds Marathi. <laughs> of course. You can't. Get rid of her. Oh, I know. And and she's changed. She's different now. She's a little stranger. Um, and they're angry at each other. And they don't trust each other. And they're fighting with each other. And you're like, oh, really? You're starting this again? <laughs> like, seriously, those two have been at each other's throats for like 6,000 years. And the, the, I mean, I thought she got eaten by Slanesh. Right? Apparently he didn't eat her. He just grabbed her. Uh, maybe she tasted bad and he spit her out. Uh, you know, yeah, she's just too cute to eat. I'm going to keep her for later, you know, or whatever. But um, so they don't like, but together they join Sigmar as well. And so after many years, he brings them to Azerheim, his new allies. I do like this part. Um, it's a union of power unlike anything seen before. For Sigmar assembled a diverse pantheon that included gods, demigods, and even zodi- uh, zodiacal monsters. Zodiacal. So the the creatures of the zodiac are there, along with the gods. So it's not just the eight lords of the realms, but 
mythical creatures. I'm assuming the, 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 I don't know how you pronounce zodiacal or zodiacal, whatever, screw it. Zodiacal, zodiacal, zodiacal. Um, I wonder if that's Dracothian. I wonder, it, yeah, they mention other demigods. Well, they, they mention demigods, but they don't mention who. Right. Uh, to house that conclave, Sigmar leveled the top of Mount Celestian, the greatest of all summits. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> Seems a little familiar. Yeah, I'm it? not saying, I'm just saying. With stars shining around them, each of the invitees took their place and the high council was convened. And they basically get an accord. Everyone, you know, gets a protector. Uh, borders are agreed upon. All this stuff pretty much goes. Uh, Grunjni teaches mankind metalcraft. Nagash imposed order on the spirits of the dead while his mindless dead walkers help build defensive edifices. Um, you got, uh, you know, cities rising up. You've got the realm of Chemon to the harsh hinterland of Gur. Trade flourished. And this is where, you know, uh, when Chaos would see these guys and try to attack, they would totally push them back. Right, because all the gods were united. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Malarian and Tyrion are pissed off that they can't find any of their fellow elves. Um, Malarial grows more distant. Yes, and she doesn't want to do anything except go home. Uh, and then I like the tale of Malarian and Tyrion's quest is convoluted for the plots of the dark gods are woven with it. Um, and so basically there's a, there's a recap for those who don't know at the end of the world that was Slanesh had consumed too many spirits feasting and feasting with wanton abandoned yet always more souls were drawn to him until he was overwhelmed. After the world storm subsided, Slanesh was left bloated and helpless. The oversatiated chaos god withdrew to a hidden lair in the hopes of digesting his great meal. As secretive as he was, however, Slanesh did not escape the plotting of Zinch, who manipulated Corn, and the two newly born elf gods. Thus, in pursuing their own goals and capturing Slanesh, Malarian and Tyrion failed their duties to Sigmar, further weakening the Great Alliance. So, they, basically, they're not doing their jobs. And uh, finding this, and I love how Zinch is like, you can't hide from me, Slanesh. And so he just points the other gods in his direction. <laughs> Look so, what I found. Get him while he's weak. Exactly. Um, then, and nobody likes Slanesh anyway. He's the youngest, weakest god. Right. Yeah, exactly. So nobody's too worried about him. Yeah. So everything's going, everything's going good. And then... Um, you get to the realm of uh, Sigmar finding Grunjni and Grimnir, and they're 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 shackled or fettered at the top of the highest summit in the land of fire. Chaman or Chaman is that the land of that's the land of metal, right? That's a metal, yes. So yeah, so Grunjni and Grimnir are both fettered in the land of metal, and Grunjni, being the master of metal craft. They both pledged their loyalty to Sigmar, who frees them. He knew they were there, like, and he remembers them from the previous world. Um, so they both pledge, but Grunjni pledges his, you know, metal craft. Grimnir says, point me to what you need killed, boy. And so he basically tells him, well, there's this giant dragon in the land of fire that nobody can best. He's like, I got this. 
So he goes there, and this is another story of this huge battle of this dragon that's like the size of a mountain against a dwarf. Um, and what basically winds up happening is they beat the crap out of each other, and then in the end, they headbutt each other. Like, they go straight at each other head first, and they slam into each other so hard that they both break into pieces. Um, and they form the the whole land and completely reform it. Yeah. They, uh, let's see, what is it? What is Create they new volcanoes and... Yeah, I'm trying to look. Yeah. Oh, they flattened all the surrounding hills and created the great plains of Akshi. Um, and then she 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 basically wrapped herself around him. The dragon wrapped herself around him and started him on fire. And it was like he didn't care because he was his rage burned hotter still. So his his basically that big orange Slayer crest is is literally on fire. Yeah. Um. Oh, and it was again seven times he sliced through the molten scales because you got to have that seven in there. Yeah. So once again, is it literal or what? But we'll just go with it. Right. Uh, the Ur salamander attacked him. Neither would submit. And then they shattered them like broken shards hurled out across the void as a rain of blazing meteors. Where the hot coals of Vulcatrix landed, there hatched a new volcano. As for the flaming fragments of Grimnir, what happened to them is a revelation the Duarden share with no one. So there's another book that's going to come out. You're going to see sure. that as a, as, a, as a quest, as a tale. You know, I wonder if that has something to do with why they want to gather up all that Ur gold, because that was an Ur dragon in the land of... Uh, of Iron. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she was an Ur salamander. So I wonder what that if that has something to do with the gold has something to do with uh, Grimnir shattering into pieces. So we'll find out. But then we get Gorka Morka. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now they're Uruks and Grots, and Grots once again, forty K reference. Yes, it is, big time. Um Uruks and Grots, they live to fight, and then there's the Ogors who live to eat and fight. Uh, I love that the Savage Orcs are not led by Savage Orc shamans anymore. They're led by Juju Docs. Yeah, I love that term. Because they got that bad Juju going on. I love it. Um, Gorka Morka is literally two-headed. One god. He's got the Gork head and the Mork head. And later, he literally splits in two. And because and the one head Gork is known for his ferocity, and the one head Mork is known for its trickery. Um, this 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 is another great story, and this is this is what makes me love the orcs, because they're just crazy, not like insane psychotic. They're just crazy, like they do the weirdest stuff. So it's just fun, yeah. So he finds Gorka Morka within this demon. The size of a mountain called Drakatoa, which sounds to me like the mountain of Krakatoa, but a little. So Sigmar finds him trapped inside this thing. It's a living avalanche that ruled Gyria. Gyria. So it's this living avalanche, and he's stuck in it, and he can't use his and Gorkamorka can't use his strength or his cunning because he can't move quick enough to do anything. Um, so Sigmar frees Gorkamorka, who's pissed off at him for it. <laughs> because he was embarrassed that he couldn't get out. So now he's pissed. He's livid. 
So what does he do? He picks up his axe. And he attacks or his, Sigmar. No, he picks up his club, and he knocks out Dracothian. One hit with his club, he knocks out the dragon. And Sigmar jumps off and says, hey, what are you doing? And then here we go. Where's this part? This is great. Uh, Sigmar arose from his down steed, and it was a 12-day battle. They fought for 12 days without sleep. I can't go for like three minutes in a fight. These guys fought for 12 days. Um, when Sigmar flung down his foe, it cast up the mountains of Miraz. So he grabbed Gorkamorka and slammed him in the ground so hard that it shoved rocks so badly that it forced other rocks up out of the ground and it made mountains. The scattered gouge canyons were made from errant strikes from Gorka Morka's club. So when he swung and missed Sigmar, he actually was carving, can- cut, you know, swept cannons or canyons into the ground. That's what happens when gods fight. That's what happens when your power levels over nine thousand. Uh, myriad predatory beasts came forth, drawn by the scent of blood. But such was the spectacle that Sunworm and Shagath stood side by side. Most house creatures agog at the fury and sheer destructive force. So the giant-ass monsters are coming out. We smell blood. We're going to fight. They stop, and they're just mouths open, watching this fight. Um, And the end of this fight's great. Basically, they both get so tired. They're both leaning on their weapons, breathing heavy. They look around and see how much they've literally changed the face of the planet, and they just start laughing. (laughs) Like after they've been, 12 days. After 12 days of fighting, they're so exhausted, they're looking at each other, and they just start to laugh. And so Gorka Morka, you know, clasps hands together and agrees to fight alongside him rather than against him. He's a worthy opponent. Um, of course, this doesn't work. No. Um, basically, what happens is you, you can't... I mean, they're orcs, okay? The orcs, they want to fight. They'll fight themselves if they have to, but they need to fight. Sigmar was smart. He said, okay, go there and fight. Go there and fight. Go to these places that we need to clean out monsters and go clean them out. And that's fine for a while, but it just says that the this this energy, this craziness of the orcs cannot be bottled up or directed. Uh, basically, he gets so m- mad, he starts a wah, and he runs across all eight realms. Smashing it all. Smashing everything. In- and if it's eight realms, that includes Azir. Yeah. But they know there was some there because when he locked down the gates, he had to wipe out all the orcs that were there because they just couldn't allow them to be rampaging. So he started from one end of the realms, or the galaxy, ran clear across to the other end of all the realms... Got to the edge, realized there was nowhere to go, turned around and started back. <laughs> I was like, what? And then basically infighting is what stopped, which you know what always seems to happen. They start fighting amongst themselves. And that's when Gorka Morka there was there was so much infighting that Gorka Morka ripped himself in half. And he has reformed since then. That's the beauty of it. There are times he reforms where Gork and Mork become Gorka Morka and go at it again. Yeah. 
There's the, that is the that that is just that's insane. It is insane, and it's very orky. Yes, it is. It's great. And then we wind up getting into the uh, the age of chaos. We're back to the age of chaos. Um. So all four gods want the eight realms, and they had to break the. Bar- it's interesting. They had to break the barriers to get into these realms, and it was difficult at first. Um, but once they broke the barrier, they realized that each realm was full of magical energy because it's sort of created from its own wind of magic. So unlike in the Warhammer world, where if the power of the wind of magic is not blowing strongly, they you know the demons might just disappear. You know, when they got too far away from the chaos gates, there were stories where... Right, and it just couldn't sustain them any longer. Right. Well, this place is made basically out of pure magic, so the eight realms were all saturated with what they needed to sustain. So guess what? Don't worry about not having enough magical power to stay. You're just here. Well, isn't that dandy? Uh, But they don't trust each other, so they send Archaon. Archaon has proved he won't pick a side. So they send Archaon. Um, oh, but I love before that. Hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. The, the It's filled with magical energies. The first incursions were very small because it was hard to break the barrier to get in. And they're slowly getting bigger as the Chaos jo- Gods join together. And the alliance gets weaker. Yes. So they're able to break into that barrier. Uh, and at first, Korn, Nurgle, and Zinch. That, okay. Where's Slanesh? I don't know. When's he coming back? I don't know. I called dibs on his place. No, I got... So <laughs> they, <laughs> yep. they basically split up most of his land and then turn their focus on the eight realms together, and they don't trust each other, like I said, so they send Archeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, his plan is to seize the nexus of travel, this bridge called the All Points. Yes. Um, which isn't a bad plan. Um, let's see. What does it say here? Uh, his intention was to seize the all points and each realm had a single arcway an arched portal that led to a mystic bridge that crossed the void to each of the other realms oh well there you go that answers our question so there's not it, it does yeah there's one realm there's okay we know there's more than one realm gate but technically there is one realm gate that leads to the all points. But wait, is that the are those the gates of Azir? Because I thought those other gates just led to Azir. No, I think the all, the all points we learn more about in the next book. Okay, so there is more than one gate. Because there, uh, there apparently is a gate that just leads to Azir. Am I correct? Yes, that's my understanding. So then there's at least one other gate because there's this gate that leads to the all points where they can walk in there and go to any realm. Um... Maybe that's the one that they were using the all points before, but if that leads to that would have to lead to a zero too. Okay, I don't know and I don't yep. care. I'm I don't. <laughs> it's, it's but it leads to the Nexus Wars, right? It does. Um, but they don't tell us anything about the Nexus Wars either. And I'm, like I said, it's another thing where I don't get it now, but I probably will eventually. And if I don't, really, I don't need to spend. The, I'm not, you know, I'm not spending that much energy on on. <laughs> Listen here, Games Workshop, your uh, explanation of your archways is lacking. This is the worst <laughs> put-together story ever. Um, yeah, so forget about that. Uh, so vast cities are always around these arcways. So uh, 
that that's where the Nexus Wars start is the battle for the 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 all points. Uh, and history herself held her breath as Archaon goes to get them. Um, and this is where Nagash sells us all out. Oh, that Leave it to me. Nagash. It looks like Chaos is about to lose, too. That's At least as far as they described it. It looks yeah. like we've beaten Chaos off. But Nagash is just like, look, if you will let me be in charge of all this place, you know, and not take credit for getting in, I'll just let you in. Uh, I'll let you into the gates. Um, of course, they totally screw him over. Of course. Because he says, basically, I'll let you in as long as you leave my realm alone and let me rule my own realm. And they said, sure, we will. Let us in. Okay, I'll let you in. By the way, we're taking over your realm. Son of a gun! You know. <laughs> Never uh, saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is. There is a really cool part, though, where Sigmar decides to return to being the warrior god. He yeah. finds out that Nagash sold them out, and he loses his stuff right here. Um, th- I thought this was great. He just basically goes into the land of Shayish and starts calling out Nagash, calling him names, saying he's afraid of him. Come get some. I'm going to kick your ass. You ruin these things. Meanwhile, while he's doing this, he's ignoring the war. <laughs> right. Okay. One of the Heralds reasons... are coming to him and saying, hey, boss, we got a problem over in this other realm. And he's like, don't bother me. Yes, I'm hunting Nagash. Don't bother me. And basically, his inability to to put that aside is one of the things that led to chaos becoming ascendant and winning this war for the it most did. part. Yes. Which is just kind of cool. He loses, you know, he's not perfect either. Nagash, you know, he cheated us all and now we're all screwed. Thanks. I'm going to have to kick your ass. Of course, in your quest to get Nagash, you've made it worse for us, but you know, hey, Sigmar's allowed a mistake once every couple of thousand years as well, I think. It happens to all of us. Um the all points becomes the eight points because, you know, okay, corn. Uh, it's taken over and corrupted by chaos, and for 100 years, chaos basically smashes the crap out of the eight realms. They have a portal. They can have unending troops coming through. So you're, you're just, you're just going to take a beating at this point. Uh, Blight City is I love. Oh, okay. With the Skaven, with their with. Okay, they don't have this. This the, no more ever Blight. There is Blight City, right? Um, so they basically have a place up in the Chaos Realm because the Horn Rat's a god. Yeah, and but they're gonna mess it up. They screw it up because they build more of their stupid warp machines and they misfire and backfire. And destabilize the realm. So it literally, what does it say happens here? What happens to it? Their arcane machinery, powerful but wayward, went awry. And the resulting implosion warped and twisted Blight City. It sank to the edges of the realm of chaos, a purgatorial existence that straddled reality. They're adaptable, however, and from this position they gnawed tunnels into the mortal realms and beyond. So they're on the very edge of chaos and at the edge of the warp. So they're sort of in this weird space where they're actually closer to the mortal realms than the rest of the chaos, it seems like. It, yeah, it seems like it's a, yeah, it's a purgatory. It's in between the realms. And they're actually, that's a perfect place for them. They're underground again. So 
That's just that's just so funny. They pull it out all their warp weapons and they screw up the warp. Dude, you ruined this whole city. You <laughs> broke the ship. You broke the bloody ship. And of course, everybody's pointing fingers at the other guy. Of course they are, because that's what they do. That's in fact, it even talks about the cycles of, you know, they build up their numbers, they grow, they grow, they increase exponentially, they burst through the, the and, you know, into the 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 above ground world. They smash a lot of stuff. They're at the verge of taking over when they start stabbing each other in the back. They lose too many guys. They get forced back underground, and they start again. Yep. Um, and of course. Zinch is playing a part in all of this. Yes, because, yeah, Zinch is manipulating them, which is interesting because Korn doesn't seem to pay attention to them. Slanesh is gone. Nurgle loves them. <laughs> yeah. And, and why wouldn't he? Let's be honest. Um, they're, they're cute and cuddly. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Zinch is, is manipulating things uh, as best as he can. Now, we get this part here, and we'll do this next part, and then we'll take a bit of a break. Um, above Azerheim is the high star Sigin, Sig, you know, Sigendil. And this is that picture we were looking at. So Azerheim seems like, uh, uh, you know, it, as a realm, has this one huge main city. Um, and so is, is, so Azir is, is this, is his realm. And so next to it in the picture is the core of the old Warhammer world. Am I correct? This red... That's how I picture it. Comet looking thing. And when it's bright, he's full of purity. And when it's nighttime, he's brooding. Um, so, And when he closes the realm gates, he purges Azir of all monsters, Uruks, and Skaven. So they can gnaw their way through reality, but not into his realm anymore while the gates are, are completely closed. Once he opens these gates, they're going to start chewing their way in, I think. I think that's what we're getting hinted at here. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, and he lost Galmaraz, as we pointed out. So Grunjni made him comet-headed thunderbolts to throw from the heavens. So, hey, why not get to be Zeus for a while while you're at it? Too? Yeah, it's, it's a fair replacement. Um, and then that's where he has Teclis, Tyrion, and Malarian cloud the ether to su- so that his surprise attack would actually be a surprise, even to Zinch. Um, and that's sort of... Where we get to, and uh, I think we're going to take another break here, and we're getting to the actual where we're going to move over to. Um, I think we're going to move over to the gates of Azir, and we'll try to cover this a little quickly. It's going to be a long episode. Um, yep, apparently so. Yeah. So buckle up, folks. We'll take a break. We'll come back and start talking about the Realm Gate Wars. Bandus, shouted Cryptborn, atop the pyramid. Bandus Hammerhand smashed the flat of his hammer into the drooling skull of the Korgoroth looming over him. The beast reeled back, its head in splinters, to reveal the pyramid of coal, pulsing red in the distance. A figure was clambering up the skull-stacked ziggurat's side with a blood-red hound leaping at its side. In its hand it clutched a golden helm, blood 
drizzled from the decapitated head inside. With a jolt, Vandis recognized the helm crest of Lord Celestin Yakto's golden mane. A dread certainty seized him. Call needed to offer up the head of an immortal in order to secure demonhood, and he had claimed not Vandis's, but that of his ally. Stepping bloody from the slaughter to Vandis's flank came Iona's cryptborn, his visage cold and fierce. Sigmar speed you, said the Lord Relictor, harnessing the crackling wild magic in the air. The energy blasted from his relic staff to envelop Vandis and his Dracoth. Like a thunderbolt, the Lord Selicin shot out from the battle. Moments later, he struck the base of the Pyramid of Skulls in an explosion of blue energies. He felt his body become heavy and corporeal once more. Cool, shouted Vandis. Korgos Cool, slayer of the Dyerband tribe. Face me now or I name you coward. Lord Cool, but a stone's throw from finally capping his offering to Korn with the skull of an immortal turned back. He looked down at Vandis and met his gaze. The Lord Celestine could see pride in his eyes, pride warring with demonic ambition. Screaming to the skies in frustration, Korgos Kool turned and vaulted down the side of the pyramid. Welcome back, as we continue the opening of the heavens. And the Realm Gate Wars are beginning. Um, something I thought was interesting is they talk about... Now, this is the part where Sigmar's going to open the gates, and if they'd have done it a day later, it would have been too late. Um, now, though Sigmar is able to hurl his Stormcast Eternals into the mortal realms as blazes of meteoric force, he can't do it indefinitely. There's tens of thousands of warriors to send, and he's sending them in piecemeal, and it's just, it's difficult. In fact, when it happens in the book, it seems that it's actually painful for them and difficult for the, those who are traveling by lightning bolt. Apparently, traveling by lightning bolt is not as cool as it sounds. Apparently not. Um, which is why they got to get these realm gates open, because that was one of my first questions. I'm like, dude, if you could just zap them down on the planet, why do you got to open the door? And apparently it takes a lot of energy. Yes. Yeah, so Sigmar is weakening himself to do it this way, but he has no other option. And he's got to do it in seven realms at once with multiple guys. So it's... Uh, and apparently he locked the door real good because you got to try to open it from both sides at once and literally both sides of the realm gate itself because they're throwing those lightning bolts at both ends. And you got to be opening it on the Azir end at the same time, which those have been apparently maintained pretty well because you don't hear any trouble about that end opening up. Yeah, right. But boy, oh boy, you're reading that story and it just takes them forever. So he's got to do all eight once, eight, eight at once, because once they realize what he's doing, they would super fortify any gate uh, or any area that he wasn't in. So he had to hit them all at once before they knew what they were doing and they could uh, stop him. And uh, it's nice that at this point, that's where you see the remaining free peoples take hope and grab weapons 
and join with the Stormcast Eternals. They're like, you know, hey, that's right, let's save our place. Yeah, and that's where we start to see, yeah, what you know, what what has happened to all the people that Sigmar left behind? Uh, nothing good. No. That's the one sad part there. Yeah. Um and once again, you see, and there's this one little page. It's a great picture of Vandus, uh on hammerhand. Yeah, Vandus hammerhand with the hammer riding on his his uh, Jacothian. And uh, then they give a little list of the different realms and how everybody sorts of feels things shifting and goes out to fight, um, which is great. Then uh, then we get to this battle unbound, and it basically talks about the. Heraldry. This this is a uh, uh, lots of pictures of battles and uh, talking about the heraldry and the importance of the colors and stuff to the different factions of the uh, Stormcast Eternals. Yeah, lots of really nice shots of of the models uh, and, and the backgrounds, and, and we kind of right. get a sneak peek of some. You know, what do the models look like? from the you know existing ranges yeah it's 28 pages of pictures and about one page of text yeah talking about that but they're great photos they are they're fantastic and they cover every army yeah uh, almost every army we yeah, don't see do. any beastmen in there no you don't and I, I i wish you would i'd hate to see them completely go away um but then again, they are a weird product of the broken warp gates in the Warhammer world. They are something unique to that planet. So yeah, I can see them not necessarily being other places. But here's where we're going to take a quick break from the Age of Sigmar book, because this is the part, this fire and thunder is basically, this is where you're getting bits of story and then battle plans. So right. before we go and kind of look through the bits of battle plans... Let's hit the gates of Azir because this was a fun book and a nice short read too. It's simple, um, but it was effective in getting across the real feel for what this uh, this place is like. I think. Yeah, I think Chris Rate did a fantastic job with this because he really humanized the Stormcast Eternals and gave us a great view into the the remaining humans on the planet. Oh yes, or, or in the realm. At least in uh, in 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 Akshi, in the realm of fire, yes. Um, the beginning is cool. The beginning is very cool. He's rallying the troops. There's over ten thousand guys there, liberators, retributors. There's lightning crackling across the heavy plate of the retributors. The residue of the power overspilling them from within. That's kind of cool. It's just the fact that their energy is crackling and pouring out of the you know around the edges as they're getting ready to fight. Uh, you got the prosecutors there. Oh, Vandis was the first person to to tame a Dracoth. Yes. So you get that in there too. Yeah, the Dracoth was a descendant of far older mythic creatures and retained a shard of their immortal power. And then he basically gives this really cool sort of hey get ready to go speech. You know. Yeah, it's 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 a typical get ready to go speech. It's better than you know. This is our Independence Day. It's but the same sort of thing. Rally the same the idea. Troops. Yeah, same concept. Stir way way better than Van Damme's uh, speech in Street Fighter the movie. Um, 
I'm sorry. I, I, I was flipping channels today, and that came on. But we can all go home. I'm like, oh, my God, this movie's one of the worst movies ever. Harrison's like, they made a live-action movie, A Street Fighter? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yep. And Raul Julia was uh, M. Bison. The one redeeming quality of that movie, they've managed to get Raul Julia to go in there and choose scenes as M. Bison. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Remember that? Because Chun-Li comes to kill him. When I came into your life, when you met me, your life changed forever. But for me, it was Tuesday. I just like, <laughs> oh, my God, that movie's so cheesy. That, I, I never forget that line. Raul Julia sitting there chewing scenes. My father saved his village at the cost of his own life. You had him shot as you ran away. A hero at a thousand paces. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. Uh, okay, so back to a good book. Um, yes. Then lightning strikes, and they're all gone because they travel by lightning, which is just really cool. It is. Uh, and then we jump into Chapter 2 real quick, and you've got uh, Kalia and the remainder of her tribe. And basically, oh, my God, what a horrible existence. First of all, it's been hundreds of years that they've been quelling the land. So people must have still been reproducing and, and living somewhat normal lives. But we seem to be at the end of it here. Yeah. Because they're running. And it seems to be all they do at this point. They run for the next bit of cover and see how long they can hide until someone picks up their scent and comes after them again. Uh, her tribe is basically uh, close to extinction. Yeah. Um, Let's see, where is that? Yeah, they broke into a run, all of them, Kalia and Sven at the forefront, limping and staggering north to where the Delta awaited, staying alive for just a few more heartbeats amid a world that wished for nothing but to end them in agony. What a horrible, horrible place to live. Truly. There's some great defi- There's some great little bits like that in this short book where, hey, Chaos has kicked this planet's ass for 300 years. It is literally within hours of just taking it over for chaos. This is where these people live. Yeah. And and knowing we're not going to make it through the night, we're not going to see another day. There's no hope. But we still have to try because we don't want to be eaten. Right. We don't want it or worse or worse. You know, because seriously, these these guys remind me of, uh, they're like the Reavers from uh, Firefly. They're just, yes, you know. Well, they're, they're called Blood Reavers. Yeah. And so they introduce you also to Rake, Rock, the flesh eater, hunting her tribe. Um, they need to catch them to have enough food. Um, there's a little interesting bit, um, you know, if you're really good, they invite you to join them. Like if they've beaten you and defeated you but not killed you because you were a good fighter or showed some promise, they'll invite you. This is what happened to Rack. He got enjoy- invited in, and he's always eating um, 
you know, it's always best to feast while they're still alive. The screams improved the taste, as did the tears. You had to laugh when the tears came. All the others did. Failed to show enough enthusiasm, and when famine times arrived, you might find yourself stretched over the knife block. Yeah. Uh, it's what just, a life. Ugh, I know. And there is that flashback to when he was when he first started doing this, when he was eating it, he was just trying not to throw up, he just wanted to live. And now it's just it now he's so into it. Um, it's kinda gross. But if, if as you're eating people alive, when they start to cry, you have to laugh at them. And if you don't laugh hard enough, they think you're not into it enough. And if they are hungry and there's no extra people to eat, they'll eat you. Because you weren't you weren't all blood for the blood gaudy enough. Again, battling, you know, taking out the weak, yeah, weeding the herd, exactly. Um, so basically, this place is just—it's—it's it's blood and death. You know, yeah, even uh, worse than the old Warhammer world. Oh, far worse. Yeah, this realms now have just—I mean, every realm it seems is beaten down to the point where it's at the verge of extinction. Um. And there's almost nothing left here. Like, they describe that the Chaos Tribes are turning on each other when they can't find other tribes to eat. Yeah. Uh, only the strong survive, though. You know, uh, living... They talk about how living to 20 is a long life here, and living to 30 is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and and, and what's, their, what's their place like now that Chaos has taken most of it over? They're running. They're going through thorn bushes, sharp rocks, lava... You know, that's all this stuff is near that they have to watch when they're where they're running. And uh and basically they're running and it seems, you know, there's a realm gate there. They don't know it's a realm gate. But they're running and they see this thing and it, it it's going to provide a a little bit of shelter and protection. So they head for it. And then um you get into this chapter 3 where they're once again talking, you know, blood for the blood god. Yeah. I love how he no one ever told him that phrase. It just was in his head. The gods are speaking to him. Yeah. The, uh, that's, I mean, it just, he just knew the phrase. He knew what to say to, to corn. Once he started eating that flesh and stuff like that, he just knew this prayer of blood for the blood God. It's just already in his head. Um, but they're closing in on this, this tribe the, the, of Kalia and these other people. When suddenly a group of blood warriors attacks him, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's Skullbrand. I I love that his boss Sleek, you know, Sleek is their little group leader for these uh, blood reavers, mm-hmm. and they're attacked. And it's Skullbrand. It's the guy from the box set. Okay, yeah. these are these are this story is the box set, and uh, he's there. It's Skullbrand. And it, that's, I believe that's uh, Threx Skullbrand, because that's not cool. It's not the leader. Skullbrand is the uh, the guy with the that forces along the... Uh, he's the guy with the banner, I think, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is. So he shows up. Sleek's laying there wounded. Rack looks over. He's, he's worried he's going to die. They're going to kill us. He looks over. His boss is bleeding, and he's thinking, I'm still hungry. <laughs> because if you're falling apart, then you're going to get eaten. Right. This is like this is like all those little creatures from uh, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> if one's wounded, they all pounce and eat them. Miners, right. you idiot! Not miners. Um, 
Oh, and I love then Threx, you know, his boss goes up and says, Threx. And just the story behind Threx Skullbrand. What a maniac. Like, even Cole doesn't know if it's true or not. Right. But basically, he fights his way. He's fighting some demons, fights his way into the chaos realm, gets up to the bronze throne, and challenges, like, the the greatest of all the greater demons, who instantly rips him to pieces. And Korn is so impressed, he puts him back together again and says, okay, you can go out and keep fighting. And sends him back home. It's like, what? Um, then there's some yucky stuff going on here. Uh, this it, 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 when Corcus Ghoul comes in and introduces himself. Yeah. Right? Right. The, what, he's walking. Do you know my name? Yeah. I am Corgus Ghoul. Yep. And Rock just wants to scream, right? He's yes, he's terrified. Himself because he's terrified. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so, and he brings him, but he decides, to, he kills, he kills Sleek, just kills him out. Oh, right, yeah. Gets rid of him. Because he's wounded anyway, so obviously he's weak. He wants to bring uh, Rack with him, but... He's like, listen, I need to know that you're really with me. So he gouges out his left eye and sticks another eyeball in its place so that he can kind of see what, what his what his newfound servant sees, make sure he's doing what he's supposed to do. Right. Um, and what you find out here, and this is this theme that runs through this and the rest of the other book, is he's built a mountain of skulls. Okay, it looks like a giant skull pyramid. He needs one more to top this thing off, and he uh, a, a, just anybody's skull won't do. You know, he's built this mountain out of anybody's skulls, but he needs something to really cap it off on top, uh, uh, some sort of a, an important person or a, a big warrior. And uh, It's the only thing keeping him from demonhood. Yes, exactly. And he could probably cap it however he wants, but he realizes if he's going to do this, it's got to be something... Worthwhile, worth the cap. Yeah, pressure is building up as the lightning and storm is coming. They're feeling the pressure building up. This reminds me of the original Dark Knight comics before Batman flips back to being Batman. Mm. How it's all really hot, and then that rain is going to start that night that it rains, and he feels that pressure building. And then as the rain hits and it releases, boom! Batman's there. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Uh, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Um. And then what shows up with all these warriors in armor with war hammers and on a dragon and stuff. It's like, oh, my goodness. Um, now we, we get this thing here going on as, as, as these warriors are preparing you know, to show up. Cole is sitting around thinking about the good old days when there were tons of places to conquer. Because, you know. If I was on the verge of destroying everything, I'd be taking a break to think about back when I first started. Right. <laughs> and basically, he's like, he was tested by other warriors. He was tested by wizards and priests, everyone fighting him. Now he's picking over the bones. And uh, now he sees through the eyes in Rook's head because, you know, the magic eyeball he shoved in there. 
and he sees this gate to nowhere, and it reminds him of these weird dreams that he's having. And so he sees that. It reminds him of something in his dreams, and he's like, all right, guys, let's go now. And they're off towards the gates. Um, and this is pretty cool. You've got the gates are, you know, are open. you got these vortex and the lightning and the steam and Rook is terrified, thinks he's going to get buried alive. Um, and, you know, the Cool is out there calling on his god. Oh, this is cool. So Cool's got to get across this area with his troops, with all of his, uh, you know, blood reavers and stuff like that, and all of his uh, other, his you know, more elite troops. Except it's a narrow mountain path. So... <laughs> No problem. Close my eyes. Pray to corn. Pray real hard to corn. Boom. The mountains move. You know, it slews off the side and creates a huge wide path for them to go through. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, isn't it? That was a really cool description. I really liked that narrow step just being ripped wider. You know, it's like, oh, wow. And once that rift's wide open, he sees that that storm coming. And I like how he says, the rain tasted different. It was icy and gritty as if filled with tiny diamonds. And that's that stuff bursting when they come down through there. Whatever's protecting them as they come down is bursting open. Um, but it's a pretty cool thing. It is. Yeah. Great, great vision. Yeah, it's just it's really well written. Um, he sees the storm going, and he doesn't see a stuff yet. He just knows stuff's coming, and so he basically challenges the storm itself, uh, which just shows you, I am Corgus Cool, Lord of the Earth. Show yourself, storm weavers, and test your metal against one worthy of your strength. So them being able to manipulate that much weather, he's like, okay, these are guys I'd be willing to fight. And, and he calls for the fight. Uh, and then basically they come, yeah, the, the guys just show up and the fighting starts and it's, I mean, if you like this type of thing, the battle is worth reading, you know, um, it's, there's not much to explain. There's just a lot of fighting that goes on and, um, there is one thing you find out, which I just think is a little weird, uh, Vandus, this is his own realm. You know, this is where he came from, and he keeps remembering it, and it's messing with him. So you've got the, you know, you've got the hurdle that your your hero has to jump over in right. the story. Um, what gets really weird is he's from here, and it's making him depressed because somewhere in the back of his head, he thought he was going to save what was left of his planet. And now he shows up here and realizes there's no saving anything, which is kind of sad, you know. It is. And and we learned this a little bit more in, in the big book, too, that when the Stormcast Eternals are remade, they, they don't lose all their memories. But each time they die and are remade again, they lose more of them. Yeah, they lose more of them. They lose it says you know some of what made them heroes. So they're 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 it's it's like it's like if you keep making copies of copies in the copy machine, right? They come back through a little less a little less uh, sharp, a little less clear. 
And um, and they fear this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, dude, you need your sense. You know, you, these guys live and fight in the dark and with blood all over them. He, they need this, to, you know. This connection to their humanity. Right. Um, so basically, and where it gets funny is, uh, you know, he basically, they recognize each other. Him and Cool recognize each other. Cool recognizes him as the one soldier. And this is a funny story. You know, he's fighting against them, and he meets with Vendel Blackfist. And he's the warlord who's fighting and unbowed, unbroken, won't stop fighting. All the people around him are dying. Cool comes up, and he's like, all right. This one's mine. He shows some spunk. And here he's cussing him out. And it's like, I had no chance to beat you, but I'll fight you. Then lightning comes down and takes him away. And Cole rages for a year that he was robbed of his skull. A year he rages because, you know, reasons. You just don't find skulls to collect like that every day. I guess not. You know, um, it's just like, okay. <laughs> You know, um, I just I don't know if it's necessary to have this personal connection between these two heroes. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it adds personality in a way to the story, but it's an easy device to to, to build some sympathy for your characters to give them this bond. It's just I don't know. I'd... Well, you know, playing on the tabletop. I enjoy it when I, when I get on the table and, and of course I'm playing the corn forces. I always feel Corgus ghoul and my friend is always fielding uh hammer hand, Vandal Hammerhand, And it, the, the only thing that gets me is that on the tabletop, they're not equal. No, not even close, <laughs> not close. And it galls me because I really, I want to kind of reenact this and have this epic battle between the two of them. And it doesn't work on the table. (laughs) (laughs) You got to really fluff your roles as Hammerhand to lose to Gorgas goal. Um, And uh, so basically what you get, and this is, there's some pretty cool stuff. You got different types of Stormcast from different realms, by the way, which is a neat thing. It is. Um, you know, the, and, and not just different realms, different kind of beliefs. There's ones that, you know, died with prayers of Sigmar on their lips and, you know, or were about to die. Right. And Sigmar brought them up and put them into a separate storm host. Yeah. And one of and, the storm hosts, they were just guys who just prayed for that little, that just that more energy just to keep fighting. They weren't praying to win. They weren't praying to be taken. This group was just praying to be able to keep fighting. They got put into a group. Yep. Um, there's that's there's some pretty neat stuff going on in these different realms, um, but you get the sky host and the prosecutors. The the sky host is cool. They're a little cocky. They are. They can fly. <laughs> that would make me cocky too. If I yeah. Fly. I mean, but it's funny. They're like you know they're like the pilots. You know, hey, mm-hmm. danger zone. Top Gun. Exactly. <laughs> um, Ionis is really cool. Uh, He's a good mystery. Yeah, he does not like being a Stormcast. You know, they call him the Cryptborn. He's solemn. He's enduring. Describes when he comes in on the Bolt of Lightning how it's really painful, though he ignores it because he doesn't care about pain. 
Right. But I like that they're describing that coming by traveling by lightning bolt is 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 not the optimal decision here. Don't want to do it every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you get to the end of this chapter, it's pretty cool. As the first of them drew within range, Cryptborn held his bone sigil aloft in both hands, feeling the cold sigh of unnatural winds curl around its length. Unto death, he whispered, and advanced into the maw of hate. Uh, he doesn't speak loudly. And he doesn't say much. It, yeah, he is he's a, from that realm of shadow. He's a very cool character, but he is not happy that he's a Stormcast Eternal. No. He yeah. just wants to pay his debt to Sigmar and go back home. Exactly. And, well, he's working now. That debt's not going to be repaid anytime soon, I'll tell you that. Yeah. They talk about how Iona brings back the storm hosts when they fall. Oh, that's right. The one guy dies, and yeah, he rev- he literally revives him, which really pisses off the the chaos guys. Yeah, because it, they're blood reavers. It wasn't easy for them to take down one of those guys with their little knives. Right, and then they take him down, and they couldn't even eat him, and he comes back. Yes, it just enraged them. Now I, I have a question. So they're they're the prosecutors are coming in, and. They're on either side, and they're and they're they're turning their hammers into lightning bolts, and they're throwing them at the gate, trying to overload the runes that that Sigmar put on there, keeping it locked, so it'll open up, because you have to open it from both sides. Here's my question, because this is where it's like they've got to do this fast. It's taking a lot of energy. They're tired. It's not working. And okay, if Sigmar closed them, can't he just be the guy who? I mean, can't he just open them all? I mean, he closed them all. Couldn't he just give them a key? Yeah, I mean, could, yeah. Isn't, there's got to be an easier way to open these gates. Now, I realize you need something for dramatic effect. There's got to be an easier way to open these gates. Yeah, give them the magic keyword to unbind the magic. Yeah, I, there's. it's just, I mean, okay, we're building dramatic tension. I give you that. But yeah, I just, I didn't get that one at all. So now we get over there. Cole finally sees what's going on, and he thinks he doesn't. He doesn't get it. He thinks he gets it. He thinks they're trying to destroy the gate. Yes. He's like, "Why are they trying to destroy the gate?" And he's like, "Wait a minute! If they're trying to destroy the gate, then there must be a reason. I've got to stop them." Yeah, it must be worth something. I got to stop them from destroying the gate. <laughs> they must know something I don't. I love how he just calls out Skullbrand's name, and from all the way across this loud and vicious battle, Skullbrand here, they're like, they got that connection. They've been fighting together for 300 years. Uh, and then he remembers the last of those holdouts, you know? And this is where Cole starts to remember that that he met v- Vandis before. Right. Um, basically, it's in his, in his movements and the way he carries himself. <sighs> I, this okay. Uh, this just felt like being stretched to me. Uh, I, I, I agree. This really was like really you you fought this one guy a hundred and fifty years ago. Now he did rage for a year after the guy got stolen from him. I suppose, and it was probably the last real battle he had, um, because I think they did say that his tribe was one of the last tribes. Yes. And he was unbowed. Yes. But, uh, oh, and I love that, I love the, in the fighting that uh, the banner bearer, he just, he does his 
he does his chant. He's summoning up chaos. And instead of waiting there to direct him, he's so bloodthirsty at this point that he just plants that banner a good two feet down with on the pole into the ground and just charges into the fight. Like, all right, well, I'm in. And it looks it looks bad, but they get the gates open. Yeah, the, the battle is is swayed. Yes, um, Call is happy to see all of them coming through, and, and now he recognizes Vandas for who he was. Now he's certain that this was the guy that got away. Um, I do like Vec, the guy with the the guy with the whip who controls yes, the monsters. The, uh, I loved that. Yeah, um, when they when the Gore Tide stop starts running, because all these Stormcast Eternals are coming through the gates, he whips like three of them and just screams at them all, and they are so afraid of him that they stop and go back into the fight. Like he literally stops a route all by himself with his own charisma and leadership, just by screaming at a few people and whipping a couple of people. The Blood Stoker. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's a really cool character. I really like the personality they added to that figure from the set. Yes, very much so. I mean, they all got very distinct personalities, um, and they all work together really well. Um, they're, they're written well, and they mesh well in this story, you know, at, at their different parts. There's a, another interesting part. Once again, you've got to have your main character go through some sort of, you know, Trial. Some, yeah, some sort of trial. He is having trouble fighting because he's upset because he realizes he can't, he's never, you know, he was hoping to save his home world and his people. And now that he's visited it, it's it's basically paralyzed him. You know, he's just sitting, he, he's not fighting well, he's upset. He, you know, he, he kind of felt like he was going to save his people. And now he's just ensuring that there will be a future but it's none of his people anymore. And so, you, you know, you got to build in that. Personality, right. humanity. Right. Korgorath is wiping out Stormcast Eternals. Korgorath is one of those big, the double-wide monsters from the thing. Right. This part is cool. This Korgorath comes rushing in, and it's killing Stormcast Eternals left and right, knocking them aside like they're made out of paper. And Iona steps up and says some prayer and holds his thing up and calls on the winds of Shayish, and it creates a barrier in front of him. And as this thing runs through it, it just turns it to ash. So amazing! Yeah, it's a great little bit. Um, and uh, so then, after doing that, he turns around to face Call, and uh, he's got no chance against Call. He has no. no chance whatsoever. There is a bit of an interesting conversation here, though. Um, I, I like that you also gave the head guy for the corn guys insight. Like, he's not just a mindless killer. Like, to advance as far as he had, he has to be clever, too. Yeah. Because you get this part where, um, yeah, he looks at, he goes, uh, this is not your world, he tells him. At least not all of you are from this world. And he goes, all worlds are the realm of Sigmar, Ionis replied, happy to keep talking for as long as possible. It gave him time to recover. When we're done with them, your kind will be but a foul memory. And he nods at him. Like, he nods at his, what he's saying, like, okay, I got you. Yep. And he goes, but you're different. You say Sigmar, 
but it does not mean the same as when the others chant his name. What are you, I wonder? What path has led you to fight along these lesser souls? And so it's sort of going through there. And I just think it's really just cool that he can just tell by the tone and with him that they're coming. And then Iona's like, I know your purpose and I'm going to stop you. And he looks, I don't, he looks, look, I don't even care about you. Not yeah. interested in you, man. Yeah. You're, you're just, you're in the you're, way. You're beneath me. Yeah. Um, and then as they're fighting, dude, he's beating up Ionis and he looks at him and goes, should you live, be sure to seek me out when this is, when all is over, there's room in my ranks for one such as you. And then he lets him go and just goes past him. Yep. <laughs> Cause he's, he's not worth killing. He's beneath him. No, not a bit. And it's, but I just like how he invite your, hey, you can fight with me. You obviously, from your tone, you're not a fan of Sigmar. So why don't you come fight against him? It's just like, wait, what? That, and hopefully that doesn't really go any further. I'd hate to see one of these guys being corrupted. I'd like to think of them as the uncorruptibles. Yeah, me too. But it was just cool to to have that there, that one part, you know? It was. Um and then, I guess, to wrap up what's going on, basically, Vandis has to get past this idea that he's upset because he couldn't save the realm for his people. He has to realize that what he's doing is for future generations and for others. Um, sort of like when the Space Marines are out fighting and, and conquering the galaxy. They're not doing it for them. They're out there killing and destroying to get rid of the threat so that the normal humans who exist can sort of go out there. And this is the same thing. Dude, your family and your people are long gone. You're doing this for the future. Exactly. Um, and then you get to the big final battle, you know, and things like that are going on. I do like, um, as, there, as, as you know, Vandis has to wind up fighting against Cole. Uh, and they're just they're just hacking at each other at this point. He goes, there's no room for art, no space for finesse. Celestial Resolve was pitted against a riptide of mindlessness, and the Hammers of Sigmar fought back then as savagely and as pitilessly as those they faced. I'm like, I like that little bit there as the fight sort of reaches its crescendo. And, uh, you know, once Vandis got his, you know, once he realized that he was focused on the wrong thing, all of his power came rushing back to him, and he was a good fighter. Right. He finally got focused again. Right. Um, but it's, it's, there's a great part, because now they've won the battle, except Cole got knocked on his butt, but uh, as Vandis was staring at him, his like eyes glowed, and Vandis caught a bit of this vision. He like saw something that bothered him, so it kind of staggered him and allowed Cole to get away. Well, we learn later, actually, Cole doesn't get away. No. <laughs> he, he actually gets trampled by his blood reavers. Yes, he does. <laughs> He's still alive. Yeah. You He's know, still but, alive. But, yeah. But they're so blood crazed and they saw their opening, so they just ran in and pulled Vanda's back and just stepped on Cole and kind yeah. of dazed him. It's just crazy. Um, of course, they paid for that. Yep. Oh, yes. Because basically on his way back to that gate, anybody who dares even talk to him, he killed. Yeah. He lost a battle and got stepped on by those 
Blood Reavers, which, as we've learned, are the lowest men on the totem pole. Yeah. These guys are beneath his look, and they, they mud-stomped him. So he's mad. Um, but at the end of the battle, I love how they're looking there, and his hammer hand goes near him. So his faith in you is vindicated, says Aeonis dryly. In the end, Vanismelt, you witnessed it. Did you doubt? When I saw you fight like a callow youth, yes. Not at the conclusion. What ailed you? And he talks about how, you know, we were warned, but we couldn't be prepared. He's like, you're supposed to forget. I like this. That's why you were charged with forgetting. The reforging should have made you whole. And he's like, are you? Have you forgotten? No, I guess not. So, but I guess they were told they gotta, they've got to forget about their former lives. They're not that person anymore. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until he went and fought that he realized it. Yes. Um, and then they took him to see the survivor. So he, this should cheer you up a little bit because he's all upset about this. And he goes to see the survivors. And there's Kalia from, the, from earlier in the book. And, um, you know, he tells him, you're whole, the warrior had said. His voice had been deeper and more resonant than anything she'd ever heard. There was something else there, too. Astonishment by Sigmar. You're whole. I thought for a minute this was going to be his wife, and I would have been so pissed if it was his wife. Oh, God. You know, because I don't know how long he's been gone, but, man, they made it sound like they they let us right up to the edge on that one. Yes. Um, But he did listen to her whole story and everything she went through, and it's kind of amazing that she made it, you know? And one thing that they they say in this book that kind of gives you an idea, again, it makes them sound like space marines, but he knelt down on his knee and took his helmet off, and he was still taller than her. Yeah, they they grow these guys big. Yeah. So, but that's basically the gates of his ear. And I know it was, a, I mean, I, I didn't mean to completely, Christian, to cut you off or not let you jump in. But, I mean, the important points are hit. And what basically what, you, what, what I got from this story was I got a good idea of how their, the, you know, the rules for traveling around works, how hard it is to open these gates. And they did spend a nice little amount of time anytime they introduced a new, like, sort of unit type. To give you enough of a lowdown where you got a feel for them. Yes. And I thought that worked pretty well. And and that's basically that whole story. You know, they've won and now they've got more to do. Yeah, and I know the book, the physical book sold out right away. I think you can still get it as a digital edition. Yes. Um, and, and for anybody interested, I, I would recommend this book. I would too. If you're, if you're interested in Age of Sigmar and you're interested in the story, this is... This is worth it. It's a quick read, but it really gives you a feel for what this world and these these particular types of warriors are like. They're, there's, they're very interesting. There's a lot more stories to be told about these guys with their constant rebirth and things like that. There's some really interesting stuff going on here. And if you pick up the Realmgate Wars, the next, the next book in this series, which is, uh, I forget, it's uh, war, war, something or other. Um, it's like three or four shorter stories. They're like a hundred pages a piece, and the first story picks up pretty much uh, within a day of this one. I don't know. I don't know if you've read any of those, Christian. No, I, I haven't started reading them yet. I, I've 
ordered it. I, I have it downloaded digital, but I haven't started reading it yet. Basically, if if you go through um, the book here with the scenarios, it's moving into the next scenario. It's moving into the going down and, and getting that gate that uh, that Cool has. Okay. Yeah, and that's like the first story in that book. So it's uh, pretty cool. And that is actually covered more here in in the main book. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, let's take a break because we've been going a long time and we'll come back and let's try to go through some of these bits of cool scenarios and get to the end of this book because quite frankly, it's one thirty in the morning. I'm getting tired. I'm losing track here, so... All right. Let's uh, let's do this and get this uh, get this done for the evening. Sounds good. Sounds good. Die then, fool, bellowed Lord Cool, an eye-watering slash of unlight trailing from his axe as he flew toward Vanta's hammerhand. The Lord Celestine tilted hard in his saddle, but Kalinax was not so quick. Cool's axe carved deep into the Dracoth's scaled flank, and Vantus leapt from his saddle with a cry, swinging his hammer at Cool as he came. Serpent fast, the Lord of Corn sidestepped, hefting his gory trophy by its flaxen hair and slamming the bloody stump of Yactus's neck into Vandus's helm. The feint was horrific enough, but when Cool's demon hound snapped at his face, Vandus had to stumble back. Your skull shall be mine after all, growled Cool. His axe whistling in so fast, Vandus barely raised Heldenson in time to block it. The Lord Celestine channeled his anger into strength and drove his hammer forward, but Cool was somehow already inside his reach. You are nothing without your drake, said Cool, clasping a hand over the hammer Heldenson's neck. Damn you, shouted Vandus, unable to break his foe's grip. He drove his helm into Cool's face, breaking mask and bone alike. Bellowing, Corgus Cool wrenched Heldenson from Vandus's hand and cast it aside. In that instant, inspiration struck Vandus, and he leapt sidelong to land in a crouch at the burning red portal. Rising up with a cry, he reached out and placed a hand on the pillars that framed the realm gate. Lord Sigmar, strike down thy servant now. A deafening blast, a blinding white light, and when the blaze faded, the portal was no more than a streaming mess of molten rock. Of Lord Vandus and the Hammer Heldenson, there was no sign. We are back with fire and thunder. Back, 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 back. Back. The storm is coming. Um, so the Realm Gate Wars begin, and they gave us the basic story of what's going on. What's cool is what happens after the Gates of Azir. This is where they, they're, they've secured the gate, and you find out in the book, you know, like I said, when he was fighting, he got that bit of a vision. Yep. Uh, that allowed Cole to sort of escape because it staggered him. And what it is is he's got another gate. 
He's got a gate with a direct link to the demon realm. Yeah. And it's surrounded by eight big-ass towers, one at each point because the eight points of corn again. Of course. It's kind of interesting because Vandis wants to, he's like, we got to go stop this gate. Otherwise, they're just going to keep bringing guys through. Uh, but that's not what Sigmar told them to do. Sigmar tasked them with a very specific job. Uh, and Ionis is like, I would much rather do the job we're supposed to do. And uh, he's like, look, he told you to, to get and trash these citadels, and there's like seven or eight of them around you know, this gate. So technically, you are doing what he told you to do. Exactly. You know? A little manipulation there, but, yep. but in a positive way. Yep. And so basically... That's the whole point of this this next scenario is getting to the gate. Um, I do like this little bit about the hammers of Sigmar. They were the the foremost among the storm hosts. They do this. There's these little sidebars with pictures, and you get one little column. And so they're the first among the, the storm host. And it says um, the weight of their duty presses upon them. Pressure would be unbearable, just as the race of the realms will look to them for salvation. So the other storm hosts look to the hammers of Sigmar as exemplars of what it is to be the king's vengeance. So once again, I mean, these guys, they kind of sound like ultramarines, don't they? In a way, they do. I mean, I hate to make those connections because I don't think these guys are necessarily space marines. But as they describe the different, you know, the different hosts of them, I mean, Sigmar handpicked the soul of each one of these guys. So he knew when he was picking them, you know, they work for that particular group or unit or body. Right. And, and on page 141, there's a really nice kind of map that shows how Vandis and Ionis Cryptborn are actually going to be heading towards that Gate of Wrath. Right. And you see the Red Pyramid of Kull, with, which is the Skull Pyramid, which is pretty huge in this picture. It's massive. And it's, I mean, there's got to be close to a million skulls in that thing. Well, and I think they described that it actually reaches to the clouds. Yeah, because, you know. Well, hey, if you're going to make a pyramid of skulls and say, this is my project to get me to demonhood, it better be a big mountain. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, everybody gives corn skulls. If you're going to make him a mountain of skulls, it's got to be impressive. Bigger than everybody else's. <laughs> yeah, uh, yep, yep, yep. And once again, you get a bunch of these scenarios. I like how some of these scenarios give you extra rules, like extra charts for little bonuses. There's the Legions of Chaos table, uh, the Brimstone Terrace. Right. Sorry. Yeah, the, the whole Time of War chart here is for playing games in the Brimstone Peninsula, in, in this realm. Yep. Uh, have you played with these at all? I have not had a chance to, no. They're fun. I, I really enjoyed them, um, especially the geysers of boiling blood. Um, <laughs> oh, that's the one where you put down the six dice, and every turn you roll dice and see which geyser explodes, and guys near that are going to get burned and take wounds. Exactly. And of course, if you're if you're if you're playing the uh, priest of corn, you can add or subtract one to your roll. Which and is this huge. is what killed me because. There's no such thing as a priest of corn until next week. So when I got this book and I'm playing these scenarios, I'm like, what's this priest of corn? There's no priest of corn. Oh, that's right. There isn't one in the book. They've got all those other titles, but none of them is priest of corn. So no. well, hey, now 
when you play that guy on the table. Because seriously, raising or lowering that number by one is huge because you literally, unless you roll a one or a six, you have a choice of half of the spots on the board to go off. Exactly. I mean, that guy, his ability to manipulate that is huge on this this scenario. But it's cool. It is. And I really like the the triumphs table. So if you want to play a series of games and make a campaign out of it, then you can get rewards that can be carried over into the next game. Right. And that's and that's in the in the main well, the main rules, the main four pages of rules. So well, it, no, but there's an enhanced table for playing in the Brimstone Peninsula. Oh, okay. Did I miss that little table? Hold on. On page 147. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, the triumph table. There you go. Yes. Yep. Okay, yeah. And they they come out with these for the different realms that are in this book. That's right. That and that is cool because depending on yeah. where you're playing will determine what type of a bonus you get for winning. I I know that they have that if you won the last game roll off in the in the main rules and you get yeah. a bonus. Yep. You know, I I, I kind of thought when I read it, it was obvious that that's if you're playing a bunch of games with the same people. It's like not just I show up at my local yeah. game store and like I won my last game, I get a roll. Like no, of course not. You know, and and it's fun if you're playing it that way. It is, it, and well, I mean, I'm spoiled. I I have a a good gaming group. We get together every Wednesday. We have a Facebook page. We you know, we're able to talk and plan our games out the week ahead um, and, and sometimes a month ahead when we're planning, you know, campaigns and such. So something like this, to me, it's just, it's candy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As you pointed out, they, they have this for each realm. And so as, the, as we get to these, these books taking us to the other realms, you're going to get more of these. And you can really just tailor it for your campaigns, where they lead you, where you go, and what happens. Exactly. So, and then they have the clouds of smoke and steam, so all the, the terrain you have on the table, you, you can't see past it. Oh, nice. Blocks line of sight. And a new spell. Oh, yeah, the fireball, fireball spell. Wizards in the Brimstone Peninsula know the fireball spell in addition to other ones. Casting value of five, select a target within 18 inches. If it contains of a single model, it suffers a mortal wound. If it has two to nine models, it suffers D3 mortal wounds, 10 or more. So you don't even have to worry about the power. The more guys you got in the unit, the bigger the fireball. Yep. Makes sense. Put them with your blood, re- blood reavers. Who runs less than 20 blood reavers? <laughs> right? Well, I mean, that's, that's the, uh, no, it's the, it's the unit you're attacking. Oh, that's right, right, right. Opposite way. Yeah. But so you know, this way, you you know, it's it's, I like this spell because it's simple. If it's mm-hmm. cast, if it's a monster or, a, you know, something like that, uh, you know, it's just a wound. Right. You know, you're not going to kill it outright with this fireball, but you're going to definitely, you're going to, you're going to notch it one. Um, you got a decent sized unit. It's, there's no picking levels. There's no deciding what you want to do. Hey, if it works, and there's a ton of people. We're going to assume you threw something that scatters and gets a lot of people. If it's one guy, you shot it at one guy. So it works. It does. Um, all right, so let's jump into here. Uh, let's try to finish up this story a bit because it's pretty good. Basically, as we go through these stories, and I'm not—I don't want to go through each scenario. Um, if you're interested in the scenarios, you can read them. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, um, but basically, Cull gets back to his realm gate in the Takes middle of, of the eight towers. Takes him three days. 
And within that three days, anybody who spoke to him died. Um, he gets over there. He's getting ready for the Stormcast Eternal show up. Uh, and he starts killing his own men. His men are eating the the flesh from people they've conquered as they were doing this work. And he gets in there and just pulls out his axe and starts slaughtering everybody. And there is just basically a big, huge pool of blood uh, around this gate. And uh, just like in the End Times book, uh, blood letters just start coming out of the blood. Yep. They just start pouring out. And he just points down to the direction that he came from. Says, "Go, go get him." I like that the rest of the story goes that uh, you know Cryptborn Ionis is close, and uh, the Blood Geysers is shooting up around them and taking out some of his men. And there, and the rest of these these corn guys are are on the watchtower behind the walls. And he's like, "You, you are a bunch of cowards, aren't you? You won't even come in and face me." And of course, they're like, "Don't call us cowards." And they all run out. <laughs> it's just too easy with these guys. We get corn guys. And what's the matter, McFly? Chicken? <laughs> exactly. Now, one of the leaders of these three forks that are, or these three prongs that are attacking is uh, uh, Yaktos Goldmane. Right. And Cull gets his skull. Yep. Cull gets his skull and is running up the pyramid because he wants to, ta- to cap it off and get his demonhood. And as he's climbing up there... Over pops, he's like, hey, you, I'm the one you wanted. And he looks back and says, are you afraid? If you don't come and fight me now, I will call you coward for eternity. And the best part is he was like two steps away. And this fool says, you're right. And comes down the mountain (laughs) and fights him. Yeah, that bothered me. I mean, I could see it. In, in one regard, okay, if I become a demon prince and I'm constantly being hounded by this guy calling me a chicken, even after I kill him, my guys are all going to remember this. Exactly. And that doesn't do me much good. And corn, of course, isn't going to give me demonhood in this case. So I've got to go kill him first. Darn yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, such, it's, it's such a typical thing to happen in one of these stories. Yes. That it's almost laughable. I mean, you could hear my <laughs> eyes rolling while this is happening. So, but Vanda's fine. He cannot beat Cull. Cull is too powerful and just too. I mean, he's been fighting too long at this point. Like, you're just not going to beat him. So, he, this is this is just about the coolest darn thing in the book. It is. Um, he realizes he can't stop the Skull Mountain. This guy's coming down. So he runs over to the Realm Gate and jumps on the Realm Gate and basically wraps his arm around one part of the arch. And then he calls out to Sigmar and says, hey, strike me down. Bring me home. And Sigmar does. And boom. The, the gate is destroyed. The gate is leveled and the, and the Pyramid of Skulls is destroyed too. The, and the entire surrounding eight towers. Yes. Everything. Yes, Sigmar comes and blows it all away and ruins any attempt at Cole that he thought he had at becoming a demon prince. Yeah. Yes. Everything he's spent a hundred years working towards, gone. Yes, which is pretty cool. It is. So what do we got next? This is, I think, where we get to... uh, Next, the storm spreads. Yes, this is in in the realm of life. This is... The Nurgle versus uh, Sylvaneth battles. Yes. And I think what's important to take 
from here without going into super detail because, like I said, we've gone into a lot of detail here, and I, I've, I've broken my own rule of, of not just repeating the story but picking out the important parts and moving along here. Um, I mean, this is the story we all know. Nurgle is corrupting the garden. The, the waterfalls are turning poisonous. There's rot flies around. Everything's turning nasty. And you got to fight back and clear it out. Yeah. And again, here we are in a new realm. And for those of us playing the game, we have a new time of war rules. Right. So a new triumphs table, a new spell. There's new uh, terrain effects that can happen. Um, and, and really can help shape and flavor your games. Yeah. You can still get your hero replaced with a chaos spawn in this. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So last, but certainly not least, unless you had something more to add about the Nurgles versus. No, again, I mean, there's a really good story in here. And, and I, I think anybody that's curious or interested should pick up this book and read it. Cause there's, there's a lot of good there's a lot of good story in this book. There is. I'm like I said. That's just at this point. I'm. You know. We've been going on a long time, so we're, we're pushing. We're pushing four hours here, and I yeah. just I want to get this last bit done. Yep. Um, and this is actually the important part. Okay. With Nurgle and the tree folk is a good story, but it's not central to the plot line right now. This nope. this kind of is. They're going to uh, to uh, Shaman. This is this is a really actually a really cool one. Uh, they're in there, and they're not just there to get the realm gates. They've got to make contact with the dwarfs. Yes, I was thinking that these guys were together, but I guess they're not, and that's where I was getting confused. So, yeah, basically, Grungey is like he once he was done showing them how to make the stuff they needed, he took off, and um, before anyone could even get down there to thank him, they were you know, under attack. And so all of the other dwarves sort of just sort of disappeared. Yeah. They went back, they went into their hills and locked their doors. Yep. And so they send emissaries. Yes. So there's emissaries with the group. Um, and as they're looking, what's actually really important, what's happening here is you've got a uh, ninth disciple of Zinch there and he can see everything that's happening. And he's there and he's trying to manipulate the storm cast and all these guys. Um, except the celestial vindicators, you just can't do it to. No, they hate chaos too much. Yeah, these are the guys who were chosen by Sigmar because of the pledges and oaths they made to fight against chaos. You know, give me strength to fight one. You know, to keep going. There was, there was. It, they're just total dedication. It's a pretty cool group. But basically, what's important here is you've got this Ephix, uh, this ninth disciple of Zinch. And he's trying to manipulate them because he's got a plan. And this is actually pretty cool. It is. When they were coming in here and they were wiping things out, they found an old artifact. An artifact that is so powerful that it glows with this bright light that blinds any of these chaos guys who try to look at it. But it's giving off a ton of magical energy. So this is great. He has his guy or his guys. They build a cairn around the artifact. You can still see it glowing at night. So they put an iron keep around the cairn and a gilded keep around the iron keep. And then they put a castle around, a gilded castle, I should say, around the uh, 
the uh, Iron Keep, and then around that they put 100,000 skulls that have been transmuted into copper because that will hold in the artifact's magic that is pouring off of it that's creating this bright light. Right. So, artifact, cairn, Iron Keep, gilded castle, 100,000 skulls. That's, you know... <laughs> There's no lack of skulls in this land. No, and when you, when you look at the model, you could tell it is with this keep. But so, here's the thing. He wants them to attack him. Yeah. Because he's been gathering up the power from this, and he thinks with a little more power than this artifact has, he can corrupt this entire realm. And, and send it into the realm of chaos. And send it into chaos, which will basically tip the power scales in their favor. Right now, things are, things are, are getting bad, but... He wants to sucker them in. And yes. get them to attack so he can catch them and use them. Yes, that's right. That's so, right. That's right. Because they're made of magical energy, and then he can use that energy to actually finish his secretive spell. Right. Right. And that's the whole... The artifact is giving off so much energy, that's why he turned all the skulls into copper. So they'll suck up that energy. But even with them holding all that energy, it's not enough. No. If he can add the Stormcast to it... Then he's going to corrupt every gate in them and pull them, and they'll go right into Zinch's labyrinth too, because he does work for Zinch. So, oh, he does definitely. Yeah, and, and that's where he draws them in so they can actually attack his citadel, thinking right. that he can capture them. Right, and of course the the plan doesn't work. No, never I, does. No, but um. What happens is they manage to break in. They, you know, there's a couple of battles that go on. You've got a couple of, uh, you know, uh, you know, a couple more battle plans, I should say. Right, right, yeah. There's a couple more battle plans, and, and it's around, the, you know, the Stormcast Eternals trying to break into this keep, right, and get right. to this sorcerer. And they break in, and they see this thing, and it's got this bright light it's giving off that everyone that looks at went blind, and these guys go, swoop, back to heaven. Yep. Well, they break, they, because they attack the Citadel, they smash through his barrier of skulls. It releases all that magical energy he had been storing. Basically, the whole thing becomes a giant nuclear bomb. And right yes. before they die, they see this golden light. So they go, and they get sucked back up to Azir. And that's where you get this last part. Uh, they, get, they go through this pain. Slowly, the warrior opened his eyes to a soul-cleansing light. There before him was Sigmar, lined in star silver. He was majesty made manifest. Stand, Thostos Bladestorm. The god-king's voice rolled like thunder around the vaulted chamber of his throne room. Stand, we shall kneel no more. Thostos, thought the warrior. Yes, that was his name. Had there once been another? Your reforging is complete. Now tell me of Shaman. The Fortress of Magic, we breached its walls only to die in a burst of light. And he asked him to tell him about the light. And Golden, no, not the bastard energy of chaos, violent but pure. And he goes, I remember that well. Prepare the warriors. We have found Galmaraz. So that's the artifact that they found. These guys go blind if they even try to look at it. So none of the chaos guys realized it was Galmaraz because they couldn't actually look at it. Right. Um, but so, there you go. They found Galmaraz, which sets up the next The next book. book. 
Yeah. Oh, I hope this wasn't too rambling. I'm worried it was. I'm just. I feel like I. I kind of was all over the place. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure I'm. I'm half that problem. <laughs> it's. It's just. It's. It's a great story. It's a lot of fun. There's so much fluff in here, and and I love fluff. I do, too. And it it does kind of jump all over the place, though, so it's kind of hard to nail down a really good, tight sort of explanation of what's going on when it's it's literally jumping through the different ages. It it does. You know, it starts you off in one, it takes you to another, then it goes back, and then it goes forward again, and then it comes back. And then it's in present time. Right. So, yeah. But I got to say... The, uh, you know, this is only, that's only three realms that we fought for the realm gates. Yes. So far. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we're going to see these other, you know, at least three. Well, there's four technically we know about because we've got Azir, which, you know. Right. Which is going to show up in everyone. But of the seven, we got three. So. Once I get and sit down and start reading the quest for Galmaraz, I have a feeling that's going to be primarily in one place. But we'll see what other realms we learn about because this was just fantastic. This it was. Really it was, was a really good start. Yeah, I learned a little about everything. I learned enough to wet my whistle on. I'm interested. You know, it's like I I would like more, but I I didn't I I, it's, I didn't feel like too much got skipped completely. You know, agreed. So I give this one a thumbs up if you're into the fluff. There's not yeah. much here for you if you don't care about the scenarios. I, I You know, people have asked, hey, can I substitute different armies and have the scenarios still be good? Yes. I think so. Yeah, we've done it. Yeah. Yep. You definitely can. So, so yeah, if you're looking for scenarios... This is a great book. Um, if you like the scenarios and fluff, it's definite. It's a definite. I think it's a must buy. Uh, agreed. And actually, some of the scenarios play much better with different armies than the starter armies. <laughs> All right, there you go. Because there's scenarios in there where you can't move for the first turn of the game, and essentially you get bonuses for shooting. So oh, right. You're, yeah. So you either aren't using the starter armies or you're adding to them a whole lot because... A whole lot. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Let's uh, take one last quick break and then come back and wrap up the show. Sounds good. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. 
unique Gibson games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. Folks, we are back, and once again, thank you to Christian for jumping in and uh, helping me out with the fluff readings here. My pleasure, um, folks. Um, let us know what you think. Jump on the forum into the uh, show thread. Um, yeah, this is a little bit different than our usual fluff coverage, and I did try to throw two books in. So it made it a little bit longer, but you know what? Whatever. I I don't care. I wanted to cover it all, and they really overlap. So I think they went to. I think they they worked well together. Yeah, they're um, a good fit. I do promise to try to be a little more focused in the next one, but I think this book was sort of all over the place, and I was still trying to get a feel for it myself. And like Christian, you said the same thing: jumping from realm to realm and and uh, time period to time period. Um. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's. It, it just has that kind of jumpy flow to it. But uh, all in all, whether this stuff is supposed to be literal or if it's supposed to be metaphor in parts, there's an exciting battle here going on. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes with these next two or three books. Um, folks, I'm not certain what we're going to do next episode. All I know is that this is coming out on the 25th and that the episode that's going to come out on the... Uh, the 10th of October, I don't know if it's just going to be that or if we're going to cover more fluff, so you'll have to tune in and find out. Pretty exciting, isn't it? Um, reminder, October 10th, if you live in the area, October 10th, I will be at Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, all day, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. It is Tabletop Wargaming Day at Unique Gifts and Games. We have two tables set up uh, for Kings of War. Uh, demos and for experienced players, uh, bring a 1600 point and or 2000 point list. Uh, we're going to have one table by me set up for Age of Sigmar. We are going to do uh, Clash Comp just to make it easier if people want to show up that they've got it there. We will have the links to the Clash Comp on the website and it should be also up on the uh, Unique Gifts and Games uh, website. And I'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Uh, Clash Comp, uh, 30 pool choices, playing 20. Uh, Infinity, there are going to be some Infinity going on there, 300 points. And there will also uh, basically any other game that you've got. Malifaux might be playing some stuff there. 
Might be some hordes and war machine stuff playing there. And uh, someone said to me, someone asked me, well, you know, I, I'm going to bring this. What if what if I'm the only one who brings this game? Then, you know, then I'm kind of screwed. And I said, well, if you have two armies slash factions slash groups, bring a second one. And if there's nobody else there who plays it or knows about it, maybe you can do a demo. You know, if you've got two and you want to show someone how to play, there you go. This is the opportunity. We're basically doing everything tabletop wargaming for 10 hours or whatever portion of it you can show up with October the 10th at Unique Gifts and Games. I'm very excited about this. Sounds like a great opportunity to go down and play and see some new games. That's that's exactly what it is. I'm just keeping it completely open to whatever you want to do. Come on down. I'll be recording the show live. I'll be playing games. We'll probably break at some point. Go grab some lunch over. They got a, a really nice burger joint down the street, so hope to see you guys there. Uh, for everybody who lives way farther away than that, and that was a long and boring piece of uh, pointless information, thanks for listening. Um, I will give you guys information about when I get the uh, Patreon page up, and I will also... Uh, we're going to be closing out that uh, Wild West Exodus contest very shortly. I'm going to get Romeo to pick a winner, and we're going to get your uh, starter box prize out to you. So you still have a little bit of time from when you're hearing this probably to go enter if you want to win one. So do so. Um, all right. I think that's it. Chris, thanks a lot. Um, Thank you. If you are uh, interested in covering more fluff, then uh, I think we should do this again. I think it's been fun. I- It'd be my pleasure. Anytime you want to invite me back, I'm happy to come back on. Excellent. Fantastic. Then then it's a plan. And folks, uh, until episode 130, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, follow David at Garage Hammer, and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening. The terrible pain was over. Slowly, the warrior opened his eyes to a soul-cleansing light. There before him was Sigmar, lined in star silver. He was majesty made manifest. Stand, Faustus Bladestorm. The God King's voice rolled like thunder around the vaulted chamber of his throne room. Stand, we shall kneel no more. Faustus, thought the warrior. Yes, that was his name. Had there once been another? Your reforging is complete. Now, tell me of Shamal. A fortress of magic, said Thostus. We breached its walls only to die in a burst of light. Speak Speak on, said Sigmar, gaze crackling with daunting intensity. Speak Speak of this light. light. Golden, said Thostus. Not the bastard energy of chaos. Violent, but pure. Sigmar tensed, clenching fists that could level mountains. I remember it well, he said. Lord Vandus, prepare thy warriors. Lord Celestine Hammerhand stepped forward with a salute. That light is mine, 
said Sigmar, his voice the ending of worlds. We have have found found Galmaraz. Unobserved in the shadows, something moved. A spindly figure cut a slit in reality and slipped through, tail twitching. 